Pro Wrestling Super Show, episode 74, uh, Top 100 Matches Revised List. Super Show. I'm Stephen Graham, joined as only, as only, as always, with the wonderful Tim Livingston. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you doing? Apparently, slurring my words. So, hey, this is a good yeah, sign when we're about to go. The day after, the day after uh, American Thanksgiving, that is that is something <laughs> that's normal down in my neck of the woods. So, um, well, it's the day yeah. after the day after my birthday, so that's kind of the same. Yes, that's true. So, are you? So, this is the celebration of of both your birthday and our growing and changing wrestling tastes. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> growing and changing is a great <laughs> phrase for that. I feel like like 2015. We did this list in like early 2015. Um, yes, and I think late 2015. Um, 2016 is like when my taste in wrestling changed so drastically that, uh, yeah, um, I actually did some numbers. There's 48 new matches on my top 100 list that That's, were on my 2015 list. <laughs> so. Uh, I am at 23, but I moved a ton of matches around. Um, it was one of those things, and there's, and you'll you'll get to it like when I some of my new matches in, in which I'm going to be very interested to see what is your highest new match like match that was not on your list prior, and how high it goes up on your list um, because oh, damn high is right and mine's <laughs> mine's very high too and We're talking I, top I think 10. mine is in my top ten as well so I'm glad that we have kind of the same idea here because I think one of the things that was interesting is like so and you know we'll, we'll kind of go into what we're going to do for this podcast in a minute but what I did. And I think you did something similar. It's like, okay, these are the matches I need to find way onto my list, right? And so I have these kind of at the bottom of my list. And then when I started kind of saying, okay, like how high can I put this? And so I kind of put like a number at it. And then I would sort and be like, okay, I am at number 35 with this match. And then I kind of look at the matches above it and it's like, okay, it's better than that. It's better than that. It's better than that. It's better than that. And I had one match that I think I had entered at 54. And by the time I was done ranking it, it had made its way all the way up to 28. <laughs> so, like, that happens a lot, right? And, and and obviously, you have a bunch of variables that go into what our lists are looking like now relative to, to six years ago, almost seven years ago now. Yeah. But it, the biggest thing is that I think, you know, we have – and I think we've talked about this. I've talked about this on a couple of diff- different uh, podcasts is that – I think the idea of a uh, collective in regards to match quality, in a, in regards to kind of the long-standing idea of greatest match ever, uh, as the access to wrestling has gotten better over the years, is just it's. I think it's completely changed how we all view wrestling uh, personally, and I think that's a great thing because I think that leads to. Uh, 
a better i think it lets to matches that get highlighted that maybe didn't get highlighted before i think it allows people to feel have like have a little bit more ownership over the list because i think they get to explain why in in ways that are maybe a little bit easier to explain and can be more accepting right because you and i were around we've been around for a long time in regards to you know talking about wrestling matches but there was a lot of talk especially in the earlier days of wrestling message boards where it's like there was kind of like a hard count or a hard stop on a certain number of matches that could be considered amongst the best. And that's definitely not the case now. Oh, no, no, for sure. Uh, and I, I want to uh, point out a project. Uh, when GWE ended in 2016, um, there was a group of people that decided, you know what, let's put together a top 100 list of matches every year. And they've been voting yeah. on that ever since. Uh, I'll put the link to the message board in the uh, in the description, I'll also put a link. Um, I added a section to discuss that project inside the GWE Discord, so I'll put a link there. And the Discord's great; everyone should join it and talk wrestling with me and a, mm-hmm. a bunch of other great people. Um, so I'll point those out now. Uh, I, I think uh, we have a slightly different strategy because I have a database uh, which has my star ratings out of ten. Uh, so. Like, I originally started, um, you know, I just sorted by ranking. Uh, and then, you know, I did that kind of process that you said of kind of like adding the numbers. And, you know, in that process, I ended up changing some ratings. Uh, I, I did some rewatches. Uh, we did some of those on watch parties uh, on the Discord. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, that was kind of my process there. There's also um, a wonderful tool uh, called a preference revealer, where you can put in a list and it'll just pick two things from the list and say, which do you like better? Uh, and then after like a certain amount of questions, it spits out a list ordered for you. So that's a fun, mm-hmm. fun thing to uh, kind of help you with the process as well. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on is uh, there was four reasons why matches dropped off my list from last time to this time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to touch on those. Um, I think the first two are very normal and not controversial, and the second two might be a little bit more controversial. So as see what you thought about this, Tim. So my first two that aren't controversial is other matches surpassed it, or maybe in the past I overrated or underrated other matches. Mm-hmm. Those are normal, right? Right. That, I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's that seems like the lay of the land in lists like that. Yeah, so I get that. So reason number three, uh, and this affected my list quite a bit, is um, I would do uh, sort by rating, and I'd look at a match, and I'd be like, you know what? I remember zero about this match. <laughs> yep. I don't remember it at all. I haven't rated high enough to be on my list and quite well on my list. But I don't remember it, and I don't have time to rewatch it, so I just dropped it. So, mm-hmm. so that happened quite a lot. Um, and then the fourth reason uh, is a reason of um, because this list is something that we're actually going to talk about. Uh, there's certain wrestlers I never want to watch again because they are abusers and bigots, and I just dropped them completely from my list and said fuck it. Mm-hmm. So those are my four reasons for matches yeah. dropping. No, and I will say that I I I definitely have a lot of the same considerations 
um, for the last two. It was I didn't I think I had a very much more of a critical eye. I think that there's a lot of people on this list where I think I've just generally soured on them over the years. Um, and I think it just kind of weighed down what I thought of their matches in general. And so I don't think it was necessarily a situation where I was uh, thinking about kicking them out completely for it, because I think the other thing with me too, is that uh, it's, it's difficult for me to completely remove that because I think, unfortunately, you know, especially uh, as things come to light, those types of things uh, have become more prevalent in ways where it's like, you know, you can hold those things against people like, you know, and, and then there's plenty of things. We don't have to go through them here as far as those wrestlers are concerned. We don't necessarily need to shine a light on those. Um, but I will say that this in and like in and for me in this particular match, um, I will not really be speaking in platitudes as much uh, for those wrestlers that may stay still be on this list. So um, it'll be a completely different way of, of looking at it. Uh, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I think I think I've seen a lot of people. um talk about those types of wrestlers in ways either in print or in, in audio form that are just like uh they they either just kind of uh say you know what we're not going to touch that at all because it is is angers me kind of like you know you're talking about or they throw the disclaimer up it's like i'm not really throwing plaudits on this person but i am throwing plaudits on them the match and then there's people who uh will completely just uh avoid the whole thing altogether and i have respect for all of them as long as you know they they feel consistent and they feel from the heart with all that stuff because it's like um with this industry is is fraught with issues to the doubt like to like the history of this industry is extremely um extremely uh i guess the the word not controversial is even the word to be using it's like problematic i guess is the word everybody likes to use in like agree in with theory, that. you could be like, well, fuck it. I can't have any WWF matches. True, right? And I mean, it's like, how far do you want to push that line? I think that's why I, I say that, because it's like, yes, it's like, we will be talking about WWE. I have a couple people on this list that I'm just like, I, I think they're trash human beings, and I don't want to give them too many plaudits. But um, and in some ways, um, I think the other person in the match uh, shines brighter because of that. <laughs> <In> some <of> these, <laughs> that's a good some point, these, so um yeah so uh just just something to keep in mind but uh i i um i like i said it's like with lists like these and and i think that kind of talks to how i said it earlier that we are in a situation now that it's like we have to keep in mind how other people you know view this and have a little bit more empathy and have a little bit more understanding towards that and so as long as you at least attempt to have that empathy uh i have i have respect for you for that so um more power to you guys for wanting to keep everybody uh who you know enjoying this obviously we're doing this because we enjoy it and uh as people enjoy this in different ways to respect and to empathize with those as to why that that is the case so uh totally fine with that and i'm excited to see what the results of this list are because uh, uh, a lot of changeover. We will not. Uh, we we can link to the ten hour smorgasbord. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, we will definitely post the old list and the new list. Um, in in places, Stephen and I will kind of figure out where the best place to put those would be. Um, but yeah, like uh, this project is is always it's is always going on, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward because I think there's a few matches. 
I think one of the issues with me is like the most recent matches. I'm like, I want to give them a little bit of time. I have matches uh, this year. So yeah. I'm and not- that's the thing. <laughs> so I, I want to give them a little bit of time to marinate. Um, but like there are a couple matches and I'll bring them up, uh, in my honorable mentions that are like, I really want to consider this, but I need to have just a little bit more time with them in order for me to, to kind of put them on my list. So, uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot of things to get to for sure. Yeah, and one more pre-name, uh, preamble uh, before we get into this is, um, so last time we did this podcast, it was like eight hours, and we talked about every match in great detail. Um, yeah, we will that's not, not going to happen that this time. No. Uh, what we're going to do is each person say about, um, you know, a short little sentence about each match in like we've broken it down to like a hundred to ninety. Uh, and then categories of tens that shorten as we go higher. Uh, and I'm going to just, you know, say my bottom ten, and then uh, like a sentence about each. And uh, you know, Tim's going to let me know what matches are higher, so we'll, we'll hold off anything about those until later. And then he's going to mm-hmm. pick a match or maybe two uh, from that little section that uh, feels how he feels we uh, deserve to talk about a little bit more. Uh, and then Tim will do that. Uh, back and we'll kind of move up the list that way uh, so you know we'll be talking about a little less matches in in full but um, I still think uh, it'll be an enjoyable listen for everyone um, yes absolutely but you know <laughs> we, we, we we don't have we're, we're uh, you know we're, we're six seven years older um, <laughs> life is yeah. different so. also uh, we'll say it now um, take a shot or whatever non-alcoholic or drink of your choice is, take a sip of your beverage. Every time I say the word, so, so good. Uh, <laughs> that literally is still a thing, which yeah. I found out. Somebody actually updated their so, so good list on the pro wrestling only boards a couple days ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I said that a hundred times uh, in the last podcast. So I will I'll try and refrain from that as much as possible. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that, that'll be another fun one to watch the case. I, I slip into my old, uh, habits there with that phrase. So All right. you ready to go then, Tim? Go ahead. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you have the honors with, uh, with your, your first, uh, your 91 to 100. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Number 100, uh, is a fun, wild uh banger from the the 1997 august 2nd new japan uh g1 climax as the great muda uh takes on scott norton Mm -hmm. Uh, number 99 uh probably my most nostalgic and kind of favorite match and one of the best storytelling matches in wwf history uh which is the the ultimate warriors versus the heenan family from the 89 survivor series Mm mm-hmm uh, at number, wow, I have, uh, I gotta move my chart here because the number <laughs> of what the ranking is of the match and the listing of the match is like really far apart and it's, uh, confusing my brain. Okay. So number 98 then is the, uh, the first big interpronational match of the Joshi Wars. Uh, from September 19, 1992, FMW, uh, Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano versus Combat Toyota and Megumi Kudo. Um, next up, uh, I wanted to find a Jumping Bomb Angels match, uh, and this was uh, one of the better ones I could find uh, at 97 from uh, March 20th, 86, as they take on the Crush Gals. Mm-hmm. 
Um, another fun banger, a wild match, a match, uh, the first match I rated last time, uh, from uh, Clash of the Champions WCW at number 96. Uh, it is uh, November 16, 1994, Dustin Rhodes and Vader. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a very recent match I watched uh, from uh, at number 95, April 11, 1993, Dream Slam 2. Uh, it's the uh, Bullshy Kid, Cutie Suzuki, Palmerico versus Double Inoue and Yuki Hada. Uh, super fun match there. Uh, one of the craziest beatdown matches I've ever seen uh, is, at number 94. It's from June 5th, 1997. Uh, New Japan Super Juniors, uh, Koji Kam- Kamado versus El Samurai. Uh, number 93, uh, a wild out of control brawl from. December 15, 2013, JWP, Arisa Nakajima versus Kana. Uh, number 92, uh, from June 12, 19, uh, 2019, uh, from Beyond's Uncharted Territory. Um, probably the best intergender match uh, out there that didn't involve an abuser, Joey Janela versus Chris Statlander. Uh, and it's not worked like an intergender match at all. It's worked like a crazy, amazing match. Um Number 91 from WWC, uh, September 20th, 86. Uh, the wild uh, Terry Funk performance versus Rick Martel. Uh, and finally at number... Uh, no, the, that's, that's, the, that's the 10. Oh my god, I ten. have screwed up my... I, I, I put lines on my page so that I would stop at the right spot, and then I put the lines in the wrong spots. So that's fun. Um, I'll correct that as you um, go over that section. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So I, I, I'm trying to think of what the match... What's the match I want you to talk about for that one? Um, okay. Talk talk about the intergender match. because So this is a match that, in regards to... Like especially beyond kind of pushing the the the, the envelope the last few years, especially like 2018 to 2020 pre-COVID, um, they were probably the most inventive um, wrestling company in the world at putting matches together that people didn't really think about that would fit the mold, and then it like kind of broke the mold. So t- talk about that Chris Statlander Joey Janela match because. I don't. I don't think anybody would think of a match of that caliber for a project like this, and is kind of one of the examples that I, I, I think is 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 emblematic of why we do this this type of uh, list and this project. So. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know why I watched it recently. <laughs> I really don't. Um, uh, there was there was no good reason to watch it recently. I just threw it on. Um, I guess it just became suggested in YouTube, um, and I completely for. Oh, you know what? I, I saw it on uh, on my list at a rating just below the cutoff. I was like, I'm curious what I think about this now. A couple years later, uh, so I went to watch it, and it starts off in just like a really old school way, you know, like uh, collar and taller tie ups and. Um, just uh, you know, a nice slow build, right, uh, of a match, and then you know, it's the slow old school style. But when it gets to the big offense and the comebacks and everything, it goes completely fucking insane. Like <laughs> Joey Janela basically does a brainbuster off the top rope through a table, 
Um, <laughs> Chris Dantliner hits her amazing uh, high spots, which she's really great at. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like, um, it, it's this perfect melding of very old school wrestling, but with completely insane uh, new modern offense. And, and I found that very uh, neat of a concept because uh, sometimes, you know, you get one or the other. And, and I don't think uh, you see it combined as well so often. Uh, oh, sorry, through a table. I meant through a door because, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, that's right. IT. Beyond more door-oriented than table-oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and a lot of uh, the crazy spots like that. And it just builds up into a, a great dramatic finish. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people uh, don't enjoy the, the intergender matches because of... Um, too many promoters and wrestlers do the thing where they, um, you know, they try to like remind you of sexual abuse between partners, uh, even though it's obviously not that situation. But um, it, they do a great job of here just treating it like a regular match. So mm-hmm. um, I've found room for it near the bottom of my list here. Good. No, I'm and I'm and I'm glad that there's a type of match like that uh, on on our lists uh, because um, uh, someone like Chris Statlander, I think, uh, while I, I think that like for example, currently in AEW, I think she has a very interesting spot in that. Well, I think the women in AEW, I think they're trying to figure out the best ways to highlight a lot of them. But Statlander is somebody that I really hope they figure out. Um, to, to showcase her even more because especially after I saw what she did with Brett Baker, for example, uh, I think that she has the most potential out of maybe anyone other than like a Thunder Rosa uh, currently on that roster. And I'd like to see a lot more of her just in general. And But I hear about this type of match and a lot of the other beyond matches she's had where it was she was put on a level playing field and showed regardless of who was across with her, how good she was. Uh, the Nick Gage match, I think a lot of people talk about, is another great match with her. Um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of those types of matches that are just uh, that are kind of on the really on the, kind of that cusp of like uh, of like what like an act what what a true like intergender match should look like uh, or or like the the I guess the ideal of it. And I think she's the first person that I've seen that has really made that a thing, you know. At least, at least in the modern times, I think that she's the first uh, female performer that I like. When whoever across, whoever's across from her, I think that she could do very well against. So, and that opens a lot of possibilities up. At least, at least for how I feel about it. So. Uh, and before we move on, is there any of these matches that are anywhere else on your list? <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay, I didn't think so. Maybe no. uh, Martel Funk. No. So that fell off my list. That okay. was around the same. I want to say I had Martel Funk last time at 98. Okay. And so, yeah, so, that was right on the cusp last time. Yes, yeah, right on the cusp, too. But it fell off. So, all right. So I'll go through my bottom 10 now, and you can let me know if any of these are above or, or if you want me to talk about anyone in particular. So, number 100 is one of my favorite uh, squash matches. Uh, with two people who you don't necessarily uh, think of as uh, – well, actually, one person you definitely think of as the receiving end of a squash. Another person you don't really think too much of in regards to squashes or not uh, conventionally 
but it's uh, May 14, 2000 from ECW's Hardcore Heaven is Yoshihiro Tajiri versus Steve Carino. Um, number 99, I have a feeling you have way higher on your list, but I'm saying it now. October 3rd, 2018, the Mae Young Classic, Mako Satomura versus Mercedes Martinez. Uh, from num- number 98, uh, I think this is one of two ROH matches to make my list, three ROH matches to make my list. June 12, 2004, the World Title Classic between Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Uh, number 97, uh, from the Skydiving J, this is for the MPW British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship. Great match between two guys who I really wish would see each other more than they did. Dick Togo versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, Number 96, I think another match you'll probably have higher than me uh, from August 15th, 1992. Hair versus hair for the AWA Women's Championship. Uh, Manami Toyota versus Toshio Yamada from uh, AJW Midsummer Typhoon. What was the year, sorry? 1992. The hair versus hair match. Yeah. Um, Yeah, sorry. I'm just going to do a search because I can't. <laughs> uh, no worries. No, go ahead. Um, while you do that, number 95, uh, by default, where it's placed on this list, what I have as the best men's NXT match uh, in, in the company's history, January 27, 2018, for the NXT Championship, Andrade Cien Amos versus Johnny Gargano from NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, a match that I thought about not including, but I I'll get to it later. Um, number 94, uh, I think the last great Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship match, uh, Toshiaki Kawada versus Shinya Hashimoto from February 22nd, 2004. Uh, number 93, you might have this higher. I'm not sure. Uh, January 4th, 1996, from the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome show, Antonio Inoki versus Vader. Um, number 92, probably the best six-man tag All Japan Pro Wrestling ever put on from April 20th, 1991, Mitsuharu Misawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Kento Kobashi versus Jumbo Suruta, Akira Tawe, and Masanobu Fuchi. Uh, number 91, from the AWA, one of the most brutal <laughs> matches uh, I can recall. And uh, has a lot to do with the challenger in this match for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Nick Bockwinkle defends against Wahoo McDaniel. So those are my 91 through 100 matches. Okay. Do you have any matches higher on the list? I have uh, Carino and Tajiri higher. Okay. Uh, the rest are not on my list. Okay. Uh, some of them heartbreakingly so. Um, I'm going to pull an audible and say. Going forward, say if the match is higher or not on the list um, after each match, because I had a lot of trouble keeping track of that. <laughs> so That's fine. We'll, we'll do that small audible going forward. Oh, but man, a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, Miko and Mercedes. Mercedes is like my favorite wrestler, so that's all. I have so much Miko, though, on my list. Um, but uh, the match I would really love you to talk about because it's really one of my favorites and I probably should have rewatched this and probably made it to my list, but I would love to hear uh, about Liger versus Togo. Cause that's yeah. That's so right there. yeah. So um, the, this match is, is one of the, so Liger is basically at the peak of his powers in 1996. This is just after he had had the, um, 
uh, or just just before. I'm trying to think of when he had the tumor, and I'm trying to think 96. I think it's a yeah, little I, after this because like 96, yeah. he's kind of like, um, like you know, he's yeah. formed the J Like he's kind of like Mister Everything in June. Yes. Absolutely. So he 1996 is definitely the best year of his career. Uh, he has just there's this amazing they call him the, the they were nicknamed the junior horseman, uh, New Japan. And they, it was Liger and Koji Kanemoto and Shinjiro Otani. And uh, I can't remember who the fourth person was, but like and it kind of was the mold throughout the year because juniors wrestling after the 94 J Cup and the 95 J Cup had become uh, you know, pretty, pretty impactful. Right. And Liger was kind of leading the charge. And so Dick Togo with uh, the Michinoka pro guys, bringing the Lucharesu to the, to the fold has kind of stood out. He's very young in this match. I want to say he's 22, 23 in this match uh, or in his mid twenties in this match. And he comes in as the champion, but it's, it's, I love that dynamic where he comes in the champion. Everybody's like, well, there's no way that he beats Liger and Liger treats it like that match. This is in a lot of ways an extended squash, but what makes Liger one of the greats is that he lets Togo do his best things in this match. Uh, there's that amazing senton from the outside floor <laughs> that Togo does that just looks like it kills Liger. Liger returns Togo fire. is oh so crunching in this match. Yes. Like he crushing. is impactful, right? And that's what I think makes this match great is that Liger lets him do all those things. He lets him have the most impactful spots of the match, right? There's a great power bomb on the floor that, that Liger does to Togo. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, the other spot I wanted to mention for sure. Which is like one of the nastiest things ever, right? Yeah. But you come out of this match with Togo looking like a world beater in a lot of ways because he was able – and this reminds me a lot of the Hayabusa match – uh, maybe less so than the Sasuke match because uh, Tiger or Liger would do more to kind of let those two have a showcase as opposed to Liger kind of playing the seniority card, which is kind of more what he does here. But he's definitely not going to uh, let this match happen without Togo getting a chance to shine. And then the brain buster to finish is, is all time nasty. But at the same time, it's like you come out of this match and Togo rightfully. So looks like he can hang with Liger. And, um, and it is strange, you know, Michinoko pro and the, and their crossover didn't really hit a lot. They, they, they did some in, in regards to crossing over to other companies at the time. Um, but this kind of stood out as one of those things where you really hoped at some point that, the more than the, the uh, Michinoku Pro people would work uh, New Japan, but it ends up only really being kind of like your, uh, you know, your your Sasuke, and rarely did you get uh, like Grand Hamada and all those other ones in there. So, uh, but this match itself just tremendous uh, showcase for Togo, while also Liger letting T- Togo look better than him. Most of the time, you know, which is something you can't really say uh, about, about uh, a lot of people in Liger's position. And uh, it makes that match that much better. So, yeah, for sure. And I, I looked it up. It's August 96 is when he has brain surgery. So. Right. So it's right before it's right after this. Yeah, because he comes back at the end of 96 and has a few matches before uh, he misses the J crown tournament. 
right? No, he so loses that, in the first round and uses oh, that's the right. fact he gets he has the, brain surgery as an excuse for why he lost. Right, and that's that's the oh, that's right. The Ultimo Dragon win the roll up in three minutes. That's right. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, and then he comes back later in the year, and then of course he he wins it at the the dome in January. But um, yeah, just just great match and and Liger at the peak of his powers, Togo, uh, you know, ascendant, and uh, one of the great crossings of two careers in in in, in wrestling history. So yeah. Glad you mentioned it because um, I-, I blanked on that one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I haven't got the 1996 on my top 25 list, so I haven't got to watch. Like I, I didn't get a like. A excuse. That's going to be a tough year. That's going to be a very tough year. Uh, all all the big companies are humming at that point. All Japan women kind of falls off a little bit, um, but all the big companies are humming at that point. Michinoku Pro is humming. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in 96. I'm doing 97 now, and they're still humming. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely, they're still humming. Yeah. Big time. So. Oh okay. Let's go to the next batch here. And uh, I'll do a little pause after I say each batch. You can let me know if it's higher or whatever. Okay. Um, so, uh, first up at number 90, uh, a match you had uh, in the last block, the uh, the aforementioned Karino Tijiri squash match. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not much higher, but uh, higher enough. Uh, mm-hmm. match you probably have higher number 89 is that uh, the Ricky Steamboat return uh, to team with Dustin Rhodes taking on Arn and Zabisco from the- yeah I, I might have that higher just a little <laughs> bit higher um, yeah, not surprised just, just, just a little bit higher <laughs> just perhaps a bit. Yeah. I assume so so we'll get to that later um, next up is a match uh, from this year from March 3rd, uh, 2021, uh, Stardom, their 10th anniversary show, uh, where Julia and Tam Nakano put their hair on the line, uh, an extremely emotional uh, match with some nice callbacks to Hokuto Kandori. Uh, I assume you don't have that one. Steven, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, good. No, no, you're good. I don't okay. have that on my list. Sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I missed you for a second. Uh, next up, number 87, uh, one of the better feuds of all time. Uh, and this is the uh, from January 6, 1987 uh, from WWC, the Carlos Colon Stan Hansen. This is the bull rope match. Yeah, this is a match that um, just missed my cut, but uh, very, very, very good inclusion on your end. So uh, number 86, uh, the uh, from. June 2nd, 2007, the finals of the Shimmer World Title Tournament, uh, Lacey and Sarah Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Good. good. I don't think that'll be the first, the last time we hear Sarah Del Rey on your list, I hope. Uh, not sure. Maybe? Uh, we'll Maybe? Out. Okay. Uh, she, she might have been a hard cut at some point. There's definitely more Shimmer. I'll have to actually okay. think about that. Um, no worries. <laughs> number 85, uh, from April 5th, 1986, uh, Shigusa Nagayo versus Don Matsumoto, one of the, another greatest feud of all time. So April 5th, 1986? It's not a hair match. No, not, okay, great. That's why I just wanted to double check. So not on my list. This but... is the barrel offense match. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, that's a great match, too. All right, nicely done. <laughs> they hit each other with barrels. Um, yes. Uh, next up at 84, uh, June 1st, 1990, um, one of the best uh, technical matches, 
and oh man, my uh, Latino accent of anal Azteca versus El Dandy. A match that I considered but just missed the cut too. That's a that's a great match. Yeah. Uh, so. number eighty three from Eve's biggest show ever at that time from Wrestle Queen Queendom from May fifth, twenty eighteen. Uh, Kaylee Ray taking on the, the legend of Miko Satomura. Oh God. Okay. So that's a match I've heard about. I, I that's that's in the clubhouse for me for the match for you to talk about. So but nicely done. Go on. Uh, it's on YouTube, check it out. Um, okay. Uh, number 82 from uh, SummerSlam 2013, Brian Danielson and John Cena. Okay, so let me double check. Oh, God, did that – I think I, that missed my list. Yes, that did miss my list, so okay. Yeah, um, one of Daniel's uh, greatest uh, WWF matches. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think we all know that match pretty well. Uh, yeah. And finally, at 81, from July 30th, 1992, All Japan Women, Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano in a cage, which uh, a match people don't talk about much. No, and and so, okay, so, uh, okay, it's between that match and between Kaylee Ray and Mako Satomura. Um, go ahead and talk about the cage match, because... Um, I think a lot of people, when they think cage match with Bull Nakano, they think Aja, McCon- Aja Kong from uh, November 1990 from um, WrestleMania, which I'm guessing is probably on your list too. But talk talk about this match because this is like Nakano still as the ace, but Hokuto is 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 basically breathing down her neck. So definitely talk it through. Yeah, and uh, man, Bull Nakano is the greatest cage match wrestler of all time. I think in total, I have three Bull Nakano cage matches on my list. That's wild. That. <laughs> I've never. I'm like, interested to see what the third is now because I can't think of what the third would be. Oh, well, we'll get to it. Um, okay. But this one is completely insane because, like, they're like, okay, we're gonna go like ten minutes and just like completely destroy each other like Bull Nakano picking up Hokuto and just like tossing her in the cage like she's nothing um Hokuto the, the, so Bull Nakano obviously she does something on the top but like I think the big spot that everyone uh if they've seen this match will kind of remember is Hokuto going to the top of the cage and doing like a missile landing on her back drop kick yes right the- <laughs> that's that's right yeah that that's that's about right yeah that's fucking like the most insane spot ever. Uh, and yeah, it's just like these two throwing bombs for 10 minutes. Uh, and like, we want to destroy each other and get out of here and prove that we're actually the ace of all Japan women. Uh, and, and it's not a title match. So you don't have that like kind of like thought that Nakano is obviously winning. Uh, so it's just like, Oh man, one of the best sprints I think of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm glad it's a sprint because, like, so I think the Aja match goes about 22 or so. That's more dramatic. Um, But Hokuto is the best when she's in sprint mode. I think that she's one of the great sprint workers of all time because instead of the sprint mode that you think of with all Japan women, like the Toyota or like kind of the 80s type of stuff where it's like go, 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 go with her – like um, I always think about her work 
um, like the Toyota match in the 93 Grand Prix, for example, where it's more intent as opposed in intensity versus um, go, go, go to the next move. And like when she's in that mode, I don't think there's a better wrestler ever, to be perfectly honest with you. And so this is a match I haven't seen, but I've heard about. And I'm glad that you uh, you put it on your list and I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and quickly, Kaylee Ray versus Miko. Miko's the big ass star. Kaylee Ray's the local hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And Kaylee Ray just steps up to Miko's level and brings it in front of Eve's biggest crowd ever. So, mm-hmm. a big uh, emotional and dramatic match. Uh, nice. Yeah, check that out. All right. So, I will go from my 90 through 81 now. Um, number 90. Uh, probably a match that I'm happy exists mainly because it allowed the best wrestler of all time to come back and get revenge against the man who almost blinded him. It's uh, December 27, 2008 ROH final battle fight without honor. Brian Danielson versus Takeshi Morishima. Um, number 89. There are few matches more wild than this on my list. Um, definitely few matches with as any finish more brutal than the finish on this match. It's from PWG Battle of Los Angeles, 2006, September 2nd, Falls Count Anywhere, Super Dragon versus Necro Butcher. Yeah, I have that higher. <laughs> okay, good. I hope you do. Um, I have another Necro Butcher match higher, but uh, boy, oh well, boy, sir, that match that is. That? Uh, that's 88, uh, 89 for me. So, um, number 88, um, one of the great, I, I, I'm, I'm just happy this match exists. Uh, it's probably not to some people's eyes, probably better than the match you just mentioned with him, but I have November 24, 2019 survivor series, Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. Um, that, that I'm just happy exists because, Brian got to wrestle Brock Lesnar and it was a big deal. So just happy it exists. Um, number 87, August 30th, 1986 for the AWA world tag team championship, buddy Rose and Doug Summers versus the midnight rockers of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Um, one of the great tag team matches you'll ever see anywhere ever. Do you have that higher or no? Uh, no. Um, no. I, I think, I've decided I'll jump in if I have that higher. <laughs> Got it. That's fine. No worries. Um, number 86 from the show you just mentioned, but not that match. August 18th, 2013, SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk in a no disqualification match. Oh, I wish I had that. Yeah, right? <laughs> number 85. I, I couldn't choose which one of their matches to put on here. Um, so I went with this one because I, it's probably got the nastiest finish of them all. And so May 27th, 1998 battle arts, Daisuke Keda versus Yuki Ishikawa. Um, but there, I, I probably should have figured out a way to find four or five of their matches on this list. So, um, number 84, I don't know if you have this higher. But it is the Michinoko Pro These Days 10-man tag. I have that. Uh, okay, good. All right. Number 83, because I want to throw some historical uh, stuff in here. Uh, June 30th, 1961. 
for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Comiskey Park in Chicago, Pat O'Connor defending against Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Um, like one of like to see that match in '61, you would not think it's from 1961. Just an amazingly modern match for a match that happened 60 years ago. Um, number 82, one of my personal favorites. Um, one of the heat, most heated tag team matches I've ever seen and a match that uh, has one of my all-time favorite performances in it uh, from Takashi Izuka. It's him and Shinya Hashimoto versus Naoya Gawa and Kazunari Murakami from the Dome show that year. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous matchup. And number 81, the first of many of these Apuestas matches on my list it is September 19th, 2008, Blue Panther and Biano 5, Mascara contra Mascara. So uh, That one was like like one of my last cuts. I know. Uh, I, I, I'm – but um, so I have those 81 through 90. We'll probably discuss one of them later, but which one of those do you want me to get into? Um, so the one I really want to hear you talk about is uh, – because I've heard everyone talk about the rest of them, or I know them well enough, or watched them recently. But the one I, I really don't know and I want to hear about is Pat O'Connor and Buddy Rogers. So this is so the Chicago tape footage when that dropped. When was that? That was like six years ago. I yeah, want to say quite now. A while ago, yeah. Yeah. So this was kind of one of the crown jewels of that dropping, um, because this is this is the what people would say is kind of. So there was a there was a bunch of different types of you know so there was the Luthez era right of the NWA World Championship yeah. then or Hackenschmidt says O'Connor right and this is the match that kind of signaled the changeover to probably the first person people really think about as like the prototypical NWA champion with Buddy Rogers um, this is. This is in a lot of people's business was this was televised. And so this was the first time that a lot of people saw Buddy Rogers. Right. So this is a match that and you saw and Buddy is in full regalia. He is in the full nature boy routine. He has an extravagant entrance. He is like when you see him and Pat O'Connor is just like, you know, your traditional champion, like Buddy Rogers looks like professional wrestling, right? Like he exudes professional wrestling uh, as we kind of have come to know it. Right. And this is kind of turning that page in a way, in the sense that like O'Connor kind of represents, you know, the olden days of, of the Thez Hackenschmidt, those types of, of wrestlers and Rogers with the flamboyant character, you know, the gorgeous George mannerisms, but this is very much, finely tuned to show, you know, kind of the differences in the offenses, right? Buddy Rose is going to be a little bit more show offy. He's going to have a little bit more style to his moves. Whereas O'Connor is going to have like just the absolute technical prowess that a guy like Buddy doesn't have. And it's one of the great clash of styles ever, but it's also a match that I think, historically holds the significance as this very much a time turn of a match, right? Like you don't have a match that really signifies 
the turning over to a new era that often. And this match is essentially that because once Rogers moves forward as champ, like then it becomes kind of like it's a little bit more of the circus on the road, right? With a guy like Rogers as the champ. And then you get to see kind of that, that changeover over time. And eventually Buddy Rogers begets Harley race and funk and Dory funk who begets Ric Flair, who begets Dusty Rhodes, and and the circle goes on. Um, But the main reason I have this on this list, while the match itself is very good, and like I said, very modern for a match that happens in 1961, it's a tentpole match. It is like a match that signifies that the way that people saw professional wrestling with the advent of television and all these other things is changing. And this is that match for me that's like, This is probably, to me, kind of the start of what they would call modern professional wrestling because this changes the way wrestling is is presented, right? And I think that it's really a match that uh, even now, especially with people looking back and, you know, the Chicago footage, the French catch stuff, stuff like that, it's like – this holds up in a way that a lot of matches from that era just don't. It's exciting. It's got – uh, great transitions. O'Connor um, with a couple of great technical transitions. Buddy is is on top of his game too, and shows that he, you know, for a guy that's supposed to be the flamboyant one, hey, I can go with Pat O'Connor if I need to. Um, just great stuff. And I want to at least mention it, even though I did have it much higher last time. Uh, I think last time I had it at yeah, I had it 56 last time, and it's down at 83 this time. Um, but still wanted to include it just because I think. It has a lot to do with uh, how we it's the start of how professional wrestling came to exist in the United States uh, from a modern perspective. And uh, it, it holds a lot of value for that. So, yeah, that's a, a great uh, yeah, a great description. And really, uh, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Makes me actually want to go watch that, even though. Well, these, a, yeah. a lot of that stuff, man. A lot of that stuff, and I and I think what it happened is after I saw that, I got into a couple of the other Chicago matches, and I probably should have dove in more. There's old Vern Gagne stuff on there, and I was watching all the the Han Schmidt, and man, talk about a worker that can be working today. Yeah, and it's like, and I think you know, given I had more time on my hands, I'd probably go back and watch more of it. But that was something that after I'd seen this, I really stuck. I should have stuck with more than I did um, because it was fascinating seeing how it was presented and how much, like we said, it's like how much is still prevalent today based on on what was ha- what was happening, you know, sixty years ago. Pretty insane. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to the next group. Uh, All right. 80 through 71. Um, so my number 80 uh, is uh, the big emotional match uh, where Mayu Otani uh, finally defeats Io Shirai for the uh, stardom uh, title okay. on uh, June 21st, 2017. Uh, number 79 is the the Iron Man match from NXT TakeOver Respect between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Ah, okay. Did not have that on my list, but a very good inclusion. The number 78 um, is, I think this is a very famous show, August 22nd, 1985. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Shig- uh, Shiguza Nagai versus Devil Masami. Oh, I have that higher. Yeah, okay. I thought so. That's a, that's a little bit of a classic. Uh-huh, just um, a bit. 
number 77, uh, I think probably the best Mr. Perfect performance in the WWF from the uh, 93 King of the Ring versus Bret Hart. Great match. Great match. Very, very, very good match. <laughs> yes. Uh, but didn't make your list. Did not, but it is a match that I like hearing. And I think this was it was on your list last time, right? It was, oh my god, um, actually looking at it, it was 80 last time, and it's 76. Oh, okay, so not not too much higher, but nice, to, okay. Kind of start, stayed where it was. Um, right. uh, a match I had 27 last time, so it, it dropped a little bit, uh, was from uh, uh, number 76 this time, December 14th, 1990, uh, the El Dandy El Satanico hair person. Okay, so, match. hold on, this might be how, how, oh, okay, very close um, you technically have it higher than me. I have it at 79. Okay. So same grouping, but very, 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 very cool. Yeah. That's uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, we both have that on our list. Uh, the closest so far of the of <laughs> matches on our list. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I wonder if we'll actually hit it this time. This, uh, I know we did last time. I don't remember the match, but I know we did. Oh yeah, no, uh, we'll have to we'll have to show our list after and see which one was the one we got the same. So okay. Uh oh man. Uh, next up, uh, number seventy five, uh, the illustrious seventy five spot. The uh, from New Japan, April first, nineteen eighty two, the Andre the Giant Killer Con match where Andre. Oh, the see, that's the match I wife. haven't seen. You're get that's a match. Oh God, man. Andre the oh, Giant goodness. literally uh, is choking or uh, choking Killer Khan. Not choking Killer Khan. He's doing a nerve hold to Killer Khan. And the referee goes, hey, stop choking him. And Andre goes, that's not choking, and then chokes the referee. Yes. Show him what it's like, <laughs> which yeah. is an all-time classic spot. Uh, Andre's um, the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> he really is. Uh, number 74 uh, from February 28, 1993, Stan Hansen versus Toshiaki Kawada. I have that higher. Okay, I had it 16 last time. So, I um, have that higher, but I need to figure out. Okay, I have that. Okay, good. Okay. That's where I have it. Uh, I've found it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about that later, probably. Um, so next up, number 73, uh, match you had at 84, the uh, These Days 10-man uh, mm-hmm. tag. Nice. Uh, which is one of the best spot fests ever, basically. Thir- 30 minutes of explosions. Just 30 oh, minutes of just... Yeah. If no, you just, like, well, like, um, if you like wild, high spotty tags where everyone's going in and out, but like with a little bit of a story and a lot more heelish acts, uh, mm-hmm. the match for you. Absolutely. Uh, weirdly, I didn't do this on purpose. Number seventy-two is another ten-man tag. It's from a in your house Canadian stampede, uh, the Hart Foundation versus the Americans. Again, uh, we're so close. I have it higher. It is in my next grouping, but very close. Nice. And finally, a match I assume you're going to have quite a bit higher uh, is from uh, June 3rd, 1994, the um, Sawa Kawada yeah, I, I kind of have that way, way higher. So I had it 15 last time. <laughs> Alright, so wow, that's memory. That's that's controversial where you have that, I think. Or what can be considered uh controversial from a conventional standpoint. It's a um, match I'll, I'll say it right now. I haven't like okay, I haven't watched it since like who knows when, at least like six or seven years. Uh and it was like I'm sure it's great, but like 
how much do I remember from it? Yeah. That it suffered in that category. Not enough to like drop off my list like some others, yeah. but enough to drop it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, how about this? I'll, I want to give you the floor on um, on on Mayu and, and EO because I think a, that um, if it might sway you, there's another Mayu versus EO. Match. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh goodness. Where's the match? Okay. Well, how about this? Let's talk. I because because we both have it. Let, we let's let's talk about sat- Satanico Dandy. I'll let I'll let you go with Satanico Dandy for your, for your grouping because this is a match where we both have it, and I think that we maybe we maybe it's not a rule that we have to uh, say it if we both have it in the same group, but I think it's a match absolutely worth talking about because I think um, because I think you brought up the um, uh, the Anhol Azteca match earlier. That is the other great Dandy Apostus match I think a lot of people talk about. Um, but it's amazing I, they're the same like year. Right? Yeah, like, but, one's like a technical marvel, and this right. one is a wild, crazy brawl marvel. Yeah, this this is why people think Dandy is the best wrestler in 1990, and and why like when you hear that, you're like, yeah, they're probably right. Um, uh, he was actually number number two. I mean, like. So I'm guessing you had Bull Nakano number number one in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the other person who one would think of. So or Jumbo. Uh, that's that's kind of like where people go in 1990. Uh, so yeah, Dandy. I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Dandy Satanico. This is a hair match. This is bloody. This is violent. El Satanico, just like maybe the best villain yeah. ever. Just vicious and evil and destructive and El Dandy um, even though he's one of the great technical wrestlers of all time can fucking brawl and this one is dramatic Um, no one wants to lose their hair and I have a lot of hair matches on my list now that I think about it Uh, and I think I think hair matches and mass matches might be my favorite type of match because like the stakes are so obvious Um, and these two are fighting like they never want to lose their hair and it's yeah. fucking insanely great. Um, I, 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 I guess, this is, I guess this is probably the last great like Satanico's in the end of his prime right about now, I'd say, right? Like he's probably, probably you know, um, he, he's got matches in the eighties that, um, if you're a big time Lucha fan that will, you'd put on the, a list like this for sure. Um, but yeah, like, one of the great just brawlers of all time, Satanico. One of the great emoters too. One of the great bleeders. <laughs> he's just he's <laughs> yeah. so he's so good at so many. Uh, I get. I think him and Pirata Morgan, uh, those two of their era, um, are are just on another level completely. And I'm glad to see that. Um, you know, I think from an all time standpoint, there's a lot of people who put Satanico one. Like people have yeah. put Satanico number one overall for greatest wrestler ever, and it's because of matches like this. Because like when you think about the great Apuestas matches, uh, the early Apuestas matches that I think a lot of people think of as some of the greatest matches, you know, in the history of of wrestling, like it is very difficult to not come away from a match like this and think, oh God, Satanico is one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. You know, 
And and same thing with Dandy. Dandy, I think his versatility is what brings him to the dance, right? Like you said, he had the technical Matt Classic uh, six months prior, and then he comes out and just bleeds buckets with Satanico, right? And it's like, what can't this guy do? You know, uh, one of the greatest right hands of all time uh, as well. So, um, but yeah, this I think this is a, this as much as Dandy, as good as Dandy is in this match, this is I think Satanico's match, and yeah. Uh, just, just an incredible, uh, just, I, I, I need to go back and like, this is a match that just sits with me, which is like, I had it lower this time. Uh, oh no, this is a new ad, right? This is something I added this time because it wasn't on my radar last time. Um, and, uh, I'm happy that it made it. Uh, and I'm happy that we, we both have it relatively high because we have other Aplestas matches ahead of this. Uh, many more pluses matches ahead of this, and very similar pluses matches ahead of this. Um, But this is like one of the great um, bloody pluses matches ever, for sure. So this might be my, Oh yeah. Okay. There's, there's another one that's more bloody. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes, there is Uh, (laughs) that we're both going to have pretty high. Actually two, there's two hair, hair matches that are uh, bloody, but um, we'll get to those. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's your next group? Okay, so from I had, eight I had six, of, you had six of my ten in that group, so that's pretty good. That's that's pre, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, so and uh, one of them in the group. So, um, eighty through seventy-one, uh, one of the greatest in the moment political positioning matches you will ever see. Like watching this match live was like watching. Um, I heard it called a coup d'état in process, uh, in real time. I've heard it called um, one of the greatest uh exposure slash carry jobs of all time it is wrestlemania 30 daniel bryan versus triple h um (laughs) in real time like the match that as i watched it i still couldn't believe what was happening in front of my eyes just just an insane match it's like Uh, triple h like forgot who he was for yeah 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 (laughs) And and Daniel Bryan, by having that match, showed that, yes, both Triple H has been that bad before. And, yes, could have been this good all along. It's really amazing. <laughs> it really is amazing. Um, number 79, the aforementioned El Satanico El Dandy match. Number 78, very similar to the Satanico Dandy match from a nastiness perspective. July 5th, 1986. You won't have this on your on your list because of one of the participants. But Ric Flair versus Ricky Morton from the Great American Bash, uh, just I, Ricky Morton probably should have won the belt here. That's how good this match was. <laughs> he should have won the belt here. Um, number seventy-seven. The, this is the third match in a row that is new to my list, and one of my favorite matches. Thank you to the All Japan Eighty set for introducing me to this match. Thank you, Eric Ritz, for showing me this match. November twenty-ninth. 1989 Real World Tag League, Genichiro Tenryu and Stan Hansen versus Giant Baba and Russia Kimura. I have that quite Where, higher. <laughs> good because that match. Ooh. Yes, we'll talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. Good, good, that good. That match is that something. match. It's one something. of the greatest beginnings to a match in the history of wrestling. <laughs> yes. Um, number 76, Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. From in your house mind games, it's I just it it even twenty five years later the legs on this match 
amaze me. I, I, I just I can't believe how much legs this match has. Um, number 75 from June 10th, 1994, the Pro Wrestling World Tournament semifinal from UWFI, Super Vader versus Kiyoshi Tamura. Oh, uh, okay. One of the greatest sub 10 10 minute matches ever. Um, and one and like the first match where when you see Kiyoshi Tamura, you're like, that guy could be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Um, number 74. Um, I have this per the way my list is set up. The best GHC heavyweight championship match uh, there is from April 25th, 2004. Kenta Kabashi defends against Yoshihiro Takayama. Uh, number 73, one of the larger falders on this list for me. Uh, it's the July 24th, 1995 triple crown match between Mitsuharu Misawa and Toshiaki Kawada. Um, June, July 24th, 1995. So it's it's the third of their four triple crown matches against each other. I've uh, soured a little bit on all Japan. Yes. Um, I have not in a lot of ways, but I have different, I have different reasoning for certain matches being better now, which I'll get into. Um, number 72, one of my all time favorite, um, just kind of like in a vacuum matches that if you'd watched the tournament leading up to it, it makes the match that much better. It's the 2003 G one climax final from August 17th, where Hiroshi Tenzan takes on Jun Akiyama in the final. Um, just, just a tremendous, tremendous match. Uh, Tenzan's greatest performance and caps off one of the greatest tournament performances by Jun Akiyama in the history of wrestling. Just an insane, insane match. And then number 71, a match that I think in a lot of ways kicked off. I think it's the best uh, non-Southern tag match of the 80s. And it is January 26, 1986, Ricky Choshu and Yoshiaki Yatsu defending the NWA International Tag Team Championships against Jumbo Saruta and Genichiro Tenryu. Um, so we have two matches. On this Very little from that group that I have there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is interesting, considering that six of the last ten you had are on my list. So yeah, I don't know how our lists are gonna line. Like this is uh, yeah, this is interesting. I'm already I'm already excited once we get to the top fifty. What's gonna happen? So you're gonna be like, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, <laughs> no, this is gonna be great. I can't wait. So oh, all right, so man. where you should I what? go here, Stephen? Where's what's what's way to I, go? I, I, I want you to talk about Kabashi because you love Kabashi. Listen, I, I, I've soured on Kobashi in the sense that, like, I think people think of him as, like, a GOAT candidate. And I think that people really, really, I really... I the corner on Kabashi. But see, here's the thing with him. And, and I like him more now. I love Noah Kobashi a lot more than I love All Japan Kobashi. Okay. And I love Noah Kobashi because it takes... And, and it's unfortunate that it took the knee injuries that he sustained over the course of, you know, of his time in all Japan to get him to this point. But that title run is, is one of the great title runs in the history of wrestling. It's two years of incredibly different title matches against a great grouping of, of, of challengers. Um, I, I've, 
fond over the Ogawa match. I think it's one of the weirdest and greatest big title matches you could have. Uh, even the Gladiator match where they do a freaking FMW style main event with 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 that, which is just like insane. Um, but this match is like so this is at the peak of his powers. They had just announced the Dome show. Akiyama is going to get the championship shot against whoever wins this match. And Takeyama is coming off a two-year where he main evented a bunch of Dome shows and as a freelancer had become per- perhaps the hottest commodity in all professional wrestling. Um, this is just after the Don Fry match, right? So this is like Takeyama is the best thing going. And this it was an interesting setup because you think, well, shoot. Like, this could be a match Kobashi, like, loses. He could lose and not get to the Tokyo Dome and main event the first Noah Dome show, right? Um, And so there's a lot of that great intrigue into it. But this match works the way it does because Takayama gives no inch and makes Kobashi and all of his comebacks have to do something he's just not comfortable doing. Like, whenever he tries to get into a slugfest with Takayama, Takayama cuts him down to size. Like, it's one of the great control segments. You know, and Kobashi was great at this. He was great at giving his opponents control segments to work from. Um, but Takayama is just overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming in this match. And just there's a couple of great shots that he hits that almost put Kobashi down where you're just like, I, 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 I bought it watching it for the first time because it's like, I mean, I understand that the Kobashi won the match, but it was like, there are times in this match. He should not have probably won the match. Like Takayama, his big spots in this match were incredible. Absolutely insane. Um, and Kobashi understanding that the way he'd gone about it for a year plus since, he won the belt from Misawa, was not going to get it done, and so he pulls the moonsault out of mothballs and crushes Takayama in the face with it is one of the great, like, I'm glad, like, one of the like great ways to win a professional wrestling match, uh, in my opinion. And I think that Kobashi's tendencies led to a lot of people aping them in a way that didn't understand why they were important or why they were a big deal in the first place. And that's why I've kind of quote unquote soured on him. But I think that in big matches, there are very few people that can hold a candle to him. And it's because of matches like this, where it's against a guy who you don't really think he should match up with because of their styles. Uh, and then he goes out and because he is who he is and Takayama's, you know, still in his prime, they, they can have, an incredible, incredible match. So uh, I've talked about this too. Me and Tanner did uh, a, a podcast on this a couple of years ago when we were doing the match of the week pod and we talked about it. Um, but this is like the quintessential GHC title match and definitely the peak of, of uh, Kobashi's run. I'm really looking forward to it when I get to that year, uh, when I'm doing my top 25 list so I can kind of watch the Kobashi stuff for the first time. <laughs> Cause I haven't right. really done it. And uh, Kobashi, interestingly, uh, uh, when I'm doing 97 right now, uh, he's kind of been uh, – I've, I've kind of soured on a lot of the All Japan people, except for Tawei, obviously, the, the namesake of the Maybe Not Tawei podcast. 
but uh, right. Kambashi in 97, I was like, you know, like of all the people who are kind of like souring, he was like, well, you know, he's the one that's like actually has emotions and is not a robot. <laughs> so I was kind of digging him a lot more. Yeah, and but but I think what ended up happening, and this is for me, like I think a lot of people took that aspect of him and like just said, oh, we're going to use this as a way to no sell. And that that's where I didn't like it. Right. And it was like and and that kind of permeated the style in the late 90s because that was what the crowd was popping for. And it really led to the deterioration of the product oh, in a man. lot of ways. And so all Japan, you know, uh, I'll tell you about 90 percent of the matches start with a finishing sequence. It's it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just like. It, it's it's kind of turned me off, and that's why, like I said, what I said about Kobashi getting hurt, it was that he felt like he needed to put on a, a top performance, and there were definitely some cute things he probably shouldn't have been doing that that kind of you know took away from it. But at the end of the day, like you know, the things that made him great were his ability to 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 really show up in big moments. And he still played those out here, but just in a way that made more sense as opposed to just no selling stuff, you know. And so uh, Takayama basically beat it out of him, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but yeah, so so this is this was fun times for sure. And uh, and in uh, in one of the better matches of either man's career. Uh, uh, looking forward to watching that one. Uh, but let's move on to seventy through sixty one uh, on my list here. Okay. Um, a match, I guess, the way this is going is not on your list. Uh, from June 11th, 2005, uh, Necro Butcher versus Samoa Joe. Oh, no, no. I have that much <laughs> okay. higher. Nice. Okay, so we just like basically reversed the, the Necro Butcher no, match. This is... Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that. Uh, number 69, a nice number for... Uh, Thanks. May 31st, 1998. Uh, this is from Over the Edge to Love for Steve Austin. Uh, the match where oh. uh, Vince is just keeps trying to screw Austin by changing the rules mm-hmm. constantly. Uh, and it leads to like a wild, yep. chaotic affair. Uh, love that. Uh, next up. Yeah. Don't have that on my list, but that is a... That's the best sports that's, entertainment that's attitude. Yes, that is the probably the peak of sports yeah. Uh, number 68, I'm curious if you'll have this match from um, Wrestling Queendom, March 23rd, 1997. Uh, Kiro Ido versus Manami Toyota, where Toyota decides that she wants to be the best ever Sabu. And she also decides to sell her leg the entire match and not just forget about it. No, that is not a match, but I've heard that that is like the one match that people try to point to about Toyota selling. So I, I think that's in the clubhouse. That's the clubhouse leader for the match I want you to talk about. But let's see what else you got. I think there'll be one that you'll pick. Uh, uh, okay. Next up, 67 from the um, April 15th, 1995 Championship Carnival. Akira Tawe's yeah. uh, death march yeah. uh, to winning it all as he tries yes. to kill Masawa. Yes, uh, I have that higher. Um, but yes, very happy that that made the list as well. Good for you. Uh, yes. Number 66 um, from July 7, 1996, Bash of the Beach, Sakovsis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Oh, wow. Okay, now I feel like a dumb dumb for not having that match on my list. That's that's this a is, great uh, one. I love All right. Two against each other. It's probably my favorite version of it, and it, yes. it's it's so beautiful. 
Yeah, that's it's basically the end of their essentially year long yeah. tour at that point. And uh, boy, they they Psychosis put a freaking nuts. bow on it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Psychosis does two moves in this match that I still can't believe anybody would do, <laughs> let alone. And so it's just the leg drop to the floor. Like why? Yeah. Someone tell me uh, why. Yeah. Why? I, that one's that one's a that one. Why? Um, why? Number sixty-five. This is a match that was on my. Um, uh, I'm gonna plug it now. Uh, my Desert Island comp uh, uh, appearance mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Sam on uh, We Don't Know Wrestling. Uh, this is the uh, Cybernita Co from April 18, nineteen ninety-seven, featuring yeah, like two hundred. I was I was waiting for when this match was going to hit your list because this is uh yes. So no, that's uh that's that's a good one for sure. It was a match that like I don't really it, that fell into the I don't really remember it that well match. Um I it's been a long time since and I've seen that hour, match. So. Um but it is an hour. Um but boy, there are some there are some things in that match for sure. Uh, so number 64 uh, title vs. Mask from uh, October 26, 1997. Rey Mysterio Jr. vs. Eddie Guerrero. A match of people. Oh, yeah. No, I have that higher. I have that higher. Yeah. Um, I'm actually just going to check a fact because I'm curious, and I think it's true. This is my highest Daniel Bryan match. Um, and at number 63 from April 7, 2019, WrestleMania 35, Bryan Danielson. Defending the title. Ah, see, that's that's the match that I I thought about and I didn't put on my list. So okay, so we might have to talk about that. Might have to might have to put that. Might, might, that might be the one from this. But let's uh, see what else you got. Uh, number sixty-two from January seventh, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, Ciclocito Ramirez versus uh, Virus under a different name uh, for the Mid-East title. Just a classic match. Okay. Okay. All right. And finally, this is the match uh, I made a prediction you might pick. Uh, from January 23rd, 1999, 1991, this is a handheld cage match between Bull Nakano and Yumiko Hara. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, that's the one. Um, so this is what, like, 19-year-old Hada, right, Something at this point? Like this. Like, this is a house like, show. That is only recorded by yeah. someone in the fan, in the in the crowd, on a handheld camera. Okay. And mm-hmm. Bulnakano does her classic cage match, including a fucking leg drop off the top of the cage on this house show. Jeez, it's, it's the greatest uh, handheld camera match I've ever seen. Uh, Nakano works it like it's the main event of the biggest All Japan Women's Show of all time, even though it's a nothing house show. Uh, and Hada obviously brings the kicks, brings the danger, uh, but Nakano is in ace, like, this is like ace touring, you know, like, I, I'm putting over the local baby face, but I'm going to win in the end because I'm the ace match, but in a cage, including a cage, a leg drop off the top of the cage. It's, it's, and it's a handheld. Like, it's insane that this match exists, and is this good. And this is like, if you're going to make a pay, uh, case for Bull Nakano, the fact that a match like this is so great and it's like a nothing house show, uh, it, it really helps him. And, and against Hada, who wasn't ranked high she's still the you know, in the pecking order. At this point. <laughs> yeah, she's like in, in like the fourth or f- like fifth tier tag team at this yeah. point. Like she's 
not like in a couple of years, like once the interpromotional stuff hit, she would become more prominent. Uh, but uh, for better or for worse, um, but that's insane. That's that's that I mean for a that's a find. I, I, when, when when was this I match no found? Do you know, it was found <laughs> not that long ago. But uh, it, it's on YouTube. Yeah. It's uh, someone sitting in the crowd with a camera, um, and it's fucking insane. Uh, this match. Um, so yeah, it, it, like I said, there's three cage matches for Bullock on my list, and this is the second one. That's insane. Okay. Well, we know the other one's coming, so that's good. But wow, that's that. I did not see that coming. Okay. That's incredible. All right. All right. So let's go through my 70 through 61. Um, there's definitely a couple matches on here you're going to have higher. And I'm interested to see how much higher. So 70 is the aforementioned Canadian Stampede 10, 10 man tag the, that uh, you had. I think it's 72. 68. 72. Really yep. Close. So that was 70 really for me, right? That. Okay. Very close on that. Number 69 is the greatest sub five minute match I've ever seen. It's not the match you're thinking of because I know what match you think it is. This is from Futon, September 26th, 2010, Daisuke Keda versus Takeshi Ono, where this is just like, it's like a flashbang of, of shoot style. Just. A couple of shots that Ono hits on Akeda where it's like, did he just knock the old man out? And but then Akeda's like, oh, yeah, no, I should be able to beat this chump easily. And he does with an arm bar. But like for four and a half minutes, it's the most insane match you'll ever see. Um, 68. I know you have it higher, but I'll just say it now. It's Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero from September 19, 2014. Mascara contra Mascara. Uh, you have that much higher, I know. Um, number 67, one of my personal all-time favorites from the World Cup of Wrestling, WCW Starcade 1995, oh. December 27th, Shinjiro Otani versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, uh, number 66, another match I'm pretty sure you have higher than me, from November 20th, 1994, Big Egg Universe, it is Aja Kong versus Manami Toyota. Oh, that match is actually because um, I'm watching chronologically. I'm in May '93. I've never seen that match, and uh, it oh, shows boy. up well, in my uh, suggested matches, like every day, like yeah, on YouTube, no. every day haunting me, and I refuse to watch it mm-hmm. until I get it in perfect context. Okay, then we won't be talking about that. So, uh, but that's number sixty-six it will, it will on my be list. A top 10 number six. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's you're going to be. Yeah, that match is insane. Um, number 65 from Clash 9, New York knockout, the I quit match between Ric Flair and Terry Funk. Number 64. ROH. October 1st, 2005. Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi. Not much I, I else needs to be, be said there. That, but through the years, we'll be doing that on their podcast release very shortly. Uh, so uh, listen yep, to that. They're basically there. Yes. Um, number 63. You haven't mentioned this match yet, and there's a part of me that thinks maybe you'll have it on there, but it is May 5th, 1993, FMW, Terry oh, Funk yeah. versus Atsushi Onita. Come on. So that's, oh, you yeah. have that higher? Of course. That figured. Okay. Okay, good. 
Number 62, another Terry Funk match from June 11th, 1976. This is him defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Jumbo Saruta. Number 61, the final one on my list, and you might have this higher, I'm not sure. Uh, August 11th, 1991, the G1 Climax Final between Masahiro Chono and Keiji Muto. If I've seen that, I have no recollection of it. <laughs> okay, that's so, all right. So, um, I want so to... What, what's man, the one? Um, I think you've said what you can about a five-minute match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, there's really not much else to be said uh, Joe Kabashi, uh, about that that I did already. Otani Eddie is... A gem that I forgot about existing, but, um, you know, talk about Terry Funk and Jumbo Saruta. Like, come on. So this was a match that um, back in the early days of of, uh, P2P file sharing was like a match. I was like, ooh, I got to see this. This is young Jumbo, right? Because back then when the footage exploded, explosion first happened and people got to see older Jumbo matches, that's what essentially – made him the Smarks Choice winner in the 2006 poll, right? And so this match is just a classic, true-to-form, NWA, two-out-of-three-fall style. Terry Funk trained Jumbo, right? So famously, Baba sent him to Texas to, to work with the Funks, and he became just a savant. He was just so good from the start. And so this is Funk having won the title in 76 in the midst of his longest reign, putting it up against Jumbo in a match where Jumbo at this point was the guy that Baba has been building around is kind of like, you know, I'm the number one guy, but definitely Jumbo's the number two. And Jumbo basically wrestles about as perfect a match as you can against a guy who knows everything that you can do. And Terry, you know, he basically owns the match from the start. He basically, you know, obviously being smaller than Jumbo, he's got more technical prowess. He's smarter. Um, and he ends up winning the first fall. But from then on, Jumbo kind of figures some things out and it becomes a uh, it becomes a kind of a sprint to the finish because Terry's like, I got to figure out a way to put this guy away. And Jumbo, you know, just barely misses the opportunity. That was also another good thing about these styles of matches back in, in the seventies and eighties, even though the eighties kind of leaned on the non-finish more. And especially with a guy like Terry, who knew that this was a situation where he needed to keep jumbo strong, um, was that he basically made, you know, the way this match was set up, he was like Terry winning the way he did was like jumbo was very close to being able to win the title. Like that's how close this was, you know? Uh, whereas a few years later, you know, when the NWA champion would come to Japan, uh, it would be like to wrestle to draws or it would be to, you know, count outs and stuff like this. And the reason why this match works is because, yes, Funk beats Jumbo and kind of beats him by the skin of his teeth almost. But it's a match that shows you kind of especially this is probably before Funk becomes more of a brawler because you know, his technical prowess is still there, but I would say by the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, because of how, you know, the other Gaijin workers were being booked in all Japan, he becomes a completely different wrestler. He leans more on the brawling and the emotion, whereas this is more just kind of a straight title match. And, you know, and he is immaculate in this match. 
Jumbo hits a beautiful butterfly suplex for his fall. Um, and, 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 and there's a, there's a great roll up sequence that funk ends up you know, winning, but this match just is, is, is a match from the start to finish that shows you like just how good Jumbo was early on, right? This is, I think three or four years into his career, uh, getting a world title shot and hanging with a guy like funk who is in the midst of the best title run of his career and it's just uh it's a classic it's 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 something that like it's not going to be spectacular like from a standpoint of huge spots or huge emotional spots but you're just going to watch this match and it's just going to be like technical precision and great transitions and great moments where terry almost loses his temper and jumbo's like ready to go regardless and like there's these just little things peppered throughout um, and it's one of the great kind of last gasps of that type of style of match, too, because all Japan would kind of move more towards kind of more brawly type matches before settling in and becoming more of a high impact slash technical company, of course, in the late 80s and into the 90s. But um, just a, just a true just kind of classic match that is is just kind of stands the test of time from a standpoint of execution, precision, storytelling uh, hierarchy, uh, you know, th- those types of things that, you know, put all those simple things together done really well. And you get a match like this. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen it, but it's definitely a match that, uh, people can point to from the seventies. as like, this is an old school classic. Yeah, this is, this is kind of, you know, I, it's this was also one of the last times that the NWA title really came through and was a big deal in all Japan, because as they kind of lean on the other belts that ended up making up the triple crown. Right. You know, Flair would come in uh, as a showcase every now and then Rick Martel would come in, you know, every now and then. But um, all Japan still kind of being a part of the NWA, as it were. This is just one of the last times that it, it's kind of seemed like a big deal for for quite some time. So. Uh, I've just, you know what I've realized is that there's going to be people sitting at home going, please talk about this match. We're not going to. And uh, I'm sorry for you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's OK. You can yeah. uh, ask us privately somehow. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be the last grouping of 10 we do before we switch to fives because uh, we're getting to yep. the almost this would be the last uh, of the bottom half of our list. So. Uh, yep. Number 60 is going to be um, from the 1994 uh, WCW Fall Brawl. Uh, it's the Stud Stable versus the Nasty Dreams, oh, which is a man. wild, yeah, this is war games. Uh, yeah, I figured this would be on your list, and I'm glad it is. It didn't make my list, but it's definitely one I so considered. Uh, so. it's, it's war games it's, that are less like, um, man, what can I say? It's less like realistic killing each other and more like, insane killing each other no there's there's, there's nastiness, nastiness there's an like actual nast- nastiness yeah. Um, yeah number 59 a match i assume uh, i don't know i'm not gonna make any assumptions anymore um from uh my favorite pay-per-view favorite show probably of all time uh from uh, wwe's evolution in 2018 uh the last woman stand match between becky lynch and charlotte which is just like yeah, that's a great match. I did not did not make my list. Um, I had a really tough time trying to figure out if any of the 
four horsewomen women matches other than I think the obvious could make this list. Um, I know you have a few, um, and so, but that's that that is a that is one I would consider. There's a couple other from that time period I would have considered, but that's yeah, a good that's one a for great, sure. Like, uh, it's a great version of a last standing match because it. Mm-hmm. isn't as contrived as a lot of the other ones it's a lot more yeah natural. and and really like the last few minutes of the match are like really like really engaging really 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 great stretch run of that match so good 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 pick uh, there for sure speaking of engaging from uh my number 58 match from 2004 may 16th wwe judgment day um Eddie Guerrero versus JBL Ooh. where JBL wow that is open and he bleeds Ooh. Uh, the stuck pig yeah um did not have that's there's definitely another eddie 2004 match on my list that is not on my list but that's a great pick too wow Uh, nicely done number 57 i think this match you said is the most steven match ever uh it's the uh bret hart diesel match from survivor series 95 no old bar where bret works like the the smartest way you ever can in the whole card match Um, yeah absolutely uh Great Number match. 50, yeah, they're all gonna be great matches from around as I look my next. Yeah, match. but that, yeah, that's a great. Yeah, I just it is. Okay, so it's so so good. It's great. Yeah, match. yeah. My it. next one, uh, number fifty-six, uh, from July 29, nineteen ninety-three. I think you're gonna have this higher. Kabashi versus Stan Hansen. Um, oh yeah, I have that much much uh, higher than you. Yes. Uh, from uh, number fifty-five from Dream Slam. Uh, this is Kyuji Suzuki Mayupa Ozaka versus Double Inoue. Um, one, okay. one of the best like finishing sequences, near fall heavy uh, tag matches you'll ever see. Uh, hmm. Did not have that on my list. Nope. That's all right. I have other Dream Slam matches on my list, but that's not one yeah. of them. Uh, number fifty-four. Um, problem is this feud is so great that you can pick like a hundred matches from it and um i think this is the lowest of those matches i have uh, for wrestle marine pad april 25th 1992 aja Kong versus bull nakano um one of the ones where she doesn't win the title uh the 90 so the april 92 match yeah okay not that's that I would have considered the 90 match, which we're obviously going to talk about later because we've alluded to it so many times. We might as well just tell you when it's happening at this point. But that is, I mean, that's a great, great one There's for sure. Match I think I have higher from those two. So talk about a feud. Yep. Yep. I thought about that match too. Yep. Uh, from number 53 is from the 83 star K Greg Valentine, Roddy Piper dog collar. Oh God. So, let me see where I have that because this might be another one where we I might have it close to you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, it's I have it. I don't have it in my top fifty. It's it's not in this one. It will be in one of my next ones. So slightly higher. Um, yeah, higher. Just, Just a little, little bit. bit. Uh, number fifty-two. Uh, I think this is my highest Hell in a Cell. My only Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Okay. Um, from October 30th, 2016, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Um, what, Ooh, what a okay. dramatic big match yeah. that was. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people probably don't like the finish to that match, but I think everything else about that match, especially Sasha's performance, is just 
in, in, impeccable. That's a, that's a very, very and good pick. Number 51 right. is a match you have higher. September 1st, 1990, Jumbo versus Masaba. Yeah. Not too much oh. higher. Um, uh, but, but yeah, higher. It's going to be in my top 50, but it's not super high up there. So, um, shoot. Which one do I want you to talk about in that list? You know, because I think we're going to end up talking about the other one of those two matches. So, man, what, what do I, what do I have you pick here? Um, okay. So talk about double anyways, because the, talk about that match, because I think that as exposure to the dream slam matches has become more prevalent, people are looking at other than the big matches on one and two and coming to conclusions as like, Oh no, there's stuff on this that is like really, really good stuff. So talk about that. The Suzuki Ozaki versus a double anyways match. um, Yeah. Dream Slam is a fucking loaded show. Dream Slam 2 is a fucking loaded show. And I'm going to have many matches from both of them all over this list. I think I've talked about some already. But there is more. Um, But so as going chronologically through um, All Japan Women, I've learned a few things. One, Kyoko Inoue is my spirit animal. Um, I absolutely love her. There is no one like her smile is so like she's so engaging and she has the wildest, weirdest offense I've seen of anyone in wrestling history. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just she is a delight to watch um, no matter what she's doing. Um, The interpromotional stuff is like some of the most elite stuff there's ever been. Um, And when you combine those two things into one match, you're, you're basically getting magic. Uh, and this one here, it's just, um, it's filled with some of the most amazing offense and finishing sequences. This might be the most amazing finishing sequence we'll, we'll ever see of just drama. Um, and there, there, it's not like the big kickout drama. It's like, you know, a partner makes a save after an insane move drama. Um, and Osaki is the best at these kind of things, I think, uh, for like mixing mm-hmm. herself in, in these interpromotional as being just like this pure evil person who's outmatched, but like will, will sneak in to get her offense in. Um, and Toko, in a way, is kind of the all Japan women version of that, um, just kind of sneaking in on her side. Uh, and, and this one just, uh, man, the whole match is great, but it, like the last, the last section is just like, some all-time elite shit. Yeah, that's so that's the thing is like I have only watched bits and pieces. I've never watched Dream Slam like start to finish. That was one of the things that and it was the most delightful. Yes, I know that that was one I wish I could have seen when you guys watched it. Um, But uh, there are a couple matches from Dream Slam one that get talked about. That's one of them. There's another match I'm pretty sure you're going to have on this list. Um, uh, that we'll 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 get to soon, but um, Ben, we're obviously going to talk big time about the big one once we get there. But like, uh, I'm happy to hear that some of these matches are getting uh, recognition because those shows really were a big deal, and uh, it was nice to see that a lot of people are getting a lot of exposure to them and saying it's like, oh yeah, these these girls can go. It's like, yes, they can. And Kyoko, so, and a lot the of them, one that people don't talk about, fuck. 
Watch Kyoko Inoue. Well, I will say this. So Kyoko Inoue, I think, in a lot of ways, is is kind of like to me, she's very much like Kobashi. She's very well. I guess I, I shouldn't say that. Kobashi and Toyota to me are very similar. But Inoue, I think, has kind of tendencies that people would see as quote unquote annoying, especially when she started becoming an actual main eventer. However, in a tag setting, she's very, very good. She, I think, is a tremendous tag worker because the bursts that she works in work way better in that type of setting than I think in big singles matches. Um, but she is she's somebody that I think because of how uh, AJW was when she had to become a single star, it was like it was, you know, just had to be what she needed to be. But the double anyways team's very good for a reason. And one of the teams that a lot of people talk about in regards to AJW in oh, the golden year. So and um, Kyoko Inouye the... any piece of offense and add mm-hmm. 20 spins to it and make it look cooler. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. She's very much about the spins and the, uh, the, Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, God. I love oh, okay. Um, so I just wanted to get that in. So uh, let's go to your section. All right. Good, good. All right. So 60 through 51. All right, so this match, I don't know if you have higher. You haven't mentioned it yet, but this was a match I mentioned last time. I Okay, it's the 1992 Royal Rumble match. Uh, no, I, it, it's all centered around flair. So. That's true. Okay, so that's fine. I understand that. Okay, so number 59. This is the match that when I got to it, I want to see if you if you haven't gotten there yet, right? You haven't gotten to December 1993 no, yet in your Joshi unit, right? Okay, so this is the Saint final tag team match, the final of the trilogy between Dynamite Kanzai and Mayumi Miyazaki versus uh, Yamada and Toyota, uh, which has worked to one fall oh. okay. to a finish as opposed to two out of three falls. Wow. I'm excited. So, and <laughs> yes, number 58, you have higher. We'll get to it. It's March 20th, 1994, WrestleMania 10, Brett versus Owen. Um. Number 57. <sighs> I, it's a match that if you had gotten there chronologically, you'd have it on your list. I know you would have. May 5th, 1996. No rope, electrified, barbed wire oh, death match. That. Megumi Kudo versus Combat I have Toyota. I've seen that out of context. But oh. you have it higher? Okay, good. Thank God. All right. Awesome. All right. Number 56. I can't believe I have a Blue Demon Jr. match on my top 100, but I have a Blue Demon Jr. match on my top 100. It is from rest, it's from Triple Mania. Bente Siete. From August 3rd, 2019, Dr. Wagner Jr. versus Blue Demon Jr. Caballero contra nice. Mascara. Um, yes. I can't believe And it's that high. A new match going that high. Can't believe it. Um... You have this match higher, 55, Survivor Series 1996, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. How high is the question? Number – yeah, how high is Too the question? Too high is the answer. Number, number, number 54. Uh, I don't know if you have this match, but I would be obvious, it would be cool if you did have it higher than me. Uh, October 24th, 1991, for the Triple Crown Championship, Jumbo Saruta versus Toshiaki Kawada. Uh, no, I don't have that. Uh, no, okay. All right. Number 53, January 22nd, 1999, from Rings, Volkan versus Kiyoshi Tanaka. Oh, I don't 
Tamura. Right. I don't like shoot stuff. That, I have to take a. Uh, <laughs> I know, that's but why I, don't that, have it, have I have to take higher. a. I have to take a big breath after yeah. that match because that's a. <sighs> that match is great. Um, number fifty-two. I don't know if you have this higher. I hope you do, but you probably don't. From Super Brawl Three, the White Castle of Fear strap match between Big Van Vader and Sting. Oh, no, sadly, I don't have it. Okay. Yeah, that's a wild All right. out of control stiffness match. It is yes. a wild match. Yeah. And number 51, from December 16th, 1988, the final day of the Real World Tag League, Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy versus Genichiro Tenryo in Toshiaki Kawada. That match I had so high last time, and I just I don't remember it, so that's why it dropped off. But I had okay. it really, like, really stupidly high last time, so... Um, so I probably should rewatch it at some point. Um, All right, then. but um, just based on um, the way you were saying, I want to hear you talk about Volconverse tomorrow. Oh, okay. So, um, one of the things that people probably don't like about Rings is that I think for some people it gets very exhibitiony at times. It doesn't feel like it's very much a struggle, but in this match. Why I like it so much is, and this is completely an aesthetic choice, is they have the overhead camera in this match. And so you look down on the two guys on the mat together, which gives you an amazing perception, perspective of these two guys trading holds. And Volkan's a magician, right? Volkan comes up with these amazing ways to trade holds on the mat that make them look like they seem like high spots. Like it shouldn't happen this way. And this entire match for 15 minutes is just Volkan's best magician act ever. This is him pulling out counters, looking like Tamura has him from underneath, but Han figuring out a way then Tamura very much playing, you know, underneath because Han has the size advantage on him like a spider monkey, just like trying to grab a limb wherever he can and, and try and, and, and submit Han with it. Whereas Han is like, no, I can get out of it. And there's a couple moments and that leads right into the finish where Han is like, Oh man, there's no way he can get out of this. And then he does. And then it's a little bit longer in a hold and a little bit longer in a hold until you get to the finish. And it's, it's just this incredible build of these tendencies that both guys show where Han is like, I can get out of anything. It's like, okay, get out of this. And it's just this game of top this, uh, until this very just wild frenzy of a finish. Um, it's really the only match of this style. I, I, I really have any recollection of, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it is a style that I think that when I do decide to watch it, I'm very much engaged, but I have to be very like, I have to be in a certain mood for it, right? It's not something I'm going to go out of my way to rewatch like many other matches on this list. Um, but I had to put it on this more for appreciation standpoint because I don't think at any point that this this style got any better than these two having this type of match and being able to see just like how does and just there's a couple of times where if you're watching this match you're like how did Han get out of this? Like I just just amazed by by what he did in this match. And it's one of the matches that for people thinking of Volkan as a top 100 candidate, you know, 
Like this is the match a lot of people point to where it's like, yes, he had under 100 matches under his belt for his entire career, but very few people had matches as good as this, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's just it's just, like I said, it's a very particular match in a style that maybe I'm, I, I'm, I'm a fan of. I don't revisit enough of. Uh, but the match itself is just um, it's just it's just a 15 minute long magic act where just these guys trade holds and trade escapes and trade transitions that just you have no idea how it happens. You, you just have to like rewind and just see how did he that how did this arm get slipped out? How did Han get on top so fast? Things like that. Just incredible stuff. So uh, I do think, though, that. If people say that rings is exhibition-y as opposed to more combative, I, I totally understand that. Uh, but I think that in a match like this, they turn that exhibition into like a way of getting people engaged in a way that very few matches of this style really has outside of big strikes. Right. Or guys like Vader or Albright being the large you know, guys throwing around the, the little guys, you know, like I had in the Tamura Vader match. But, um, yeah, this is this is probably the peak of this type of wrestling for me, uh, even though I haven't really revisited it in a while. It's still something I wanted to highlight. So, yeah. um, man, if you're into that style, that is the match people point to. So um, everything Tim, mm-hmm. said, I would like to echo there. Um, I did some quick numbers so far. All right. um, we have 21 shared matches, like not necessarily yes. at our bottom, but like throughout our list. So we'll see if right. we get to the end, if that's actually 42, if we like double it or if it's like higher or lower. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's um, we've each mentioned, you know, 50 matches, only 21 of them are shared. So this is uh, this is good. Um, lots of different uh, stuff here between us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but we're in the top 50 now. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, from here on out, like, man, everything is so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so the way we're going to do this is from here until we're gonna 10, groups of five. we're going to do groups of five. Um, and then when we get to 10, we'll go back and forth and then, uh, you know, and we'll go, th- we'll go from there. So, uh, but let's Steven, let's take okay. a quick break and then come back and we'll do the top 50. How about that? All right. Stay with us, folks. Time for the top 50 of our list. And uh, like we said, we're switching to five uh, match groups um, just so we <laughs> talk about these higher end matches just a little bit more. Uh, and mm-hmm. I got a fascinating little group here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious what you think of it. Yeah. Um, at number 50, probably the most wild out of control brawl I have in my entire list a Falls Count Anywhere match from. Shimmer Volume 4 between Sheila and Melissa and Mischief. Oh, heck yeah. All right. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, Don't have that on my list, but I like both of those wrestlers, so that's, that's a good ad. Uh, anyways, it's insane, match. Um, number 49 from Arena Coliseo Monterey. 
uh, from October 18th of 1998, uh, a super dramatic, um, more technical match between Alphalino and Alfilo Del Santo. Okay. Uh, number 48. Uh, I think this is my first match from Dream Rush 92. Uh, Akira Hokuto and Kyoko Inoue. That's a great match. I, I have that of the big Dream Rush matches. I think I have that third, but that is a very, very well. good match. <laughs> but it made my list yep. because that show Obviously. is insane. Um, uh, number 47 is the best match I've ever seen live uh, from NXT TakeOver Toronto. Uh, D uh, Gargano and Ciampa, oh. two out of three falls match versus. Yeah. Uh, so that just missed my list. It was a match that, so that was a match. So you're on 47, right? Okay. Well, I, I, if we decide, I'm, that might be the match I decide to discuss, but, um, let's hear what you have for 46. And 46, uh, is the match that made me realize that, um, women are the future of, uh, the WWE, uh, Becky Lynch versus Sasha from NXT unstoppable in 2015. Okay. So that's a good match too. But okay, so let's let's have the DIY revival discussion because so this is a match that was in my honorable mentions and in fact I want to say, this I think was if I were to rank them I want to say this was going to be one hundred one or one hundred two. Um. But I'll, I'll, but I'll let you talk about it, obviously, since it's your match that, that you, you actually yeah. made the list. I was there so. live, so I have a little bit of a bias. Um, and it's a match, mm-hmm. watching it live, like, completely blew my mind. Like, I had friends who were sitting mm-hmm. in another section who ran up to me. We all high-fived, and then they went and bought uh, DIY t-shirts, like, immediately after this match yeah. because it was so fucking good, uh, if you can believe that. It's two out of three falls match per, uh the best tag match in WWF history. Um, just super dramatic, super high end offense, uh, built so well, uh, cause, uh, uh, the revival, I think they were called at the time, uh, or they're called now. I can't remember. <laughs> they are the revival. Yes. It yeah, was the revival. So they bring the old school, um, aspect of keeping the match, uh, a lot more grounded than it would be if it was like, um, DIY versus the, the Bucks or something. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it's just the near falls are so, so dramatic and you bite on so many of them. Uh, and because it's a two or three falls match that you can even do that a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I was there live and it, this match is uh, fucking. I, yeah. I like when I got home, I immediately turned on the network and watched it again. It was that good. So. No, it's the the stretch run to that match is um, it's I the the word that came to mind when I thought about it's like okay can I really put this on this list because what ended up happening is I put other tag matches on my list I was like and this is it with it being so recent I was like can I can I put this on my list like can I and I I almost did but the thing about that third falls the only thing I can think of the word is just, it's yes. immaculate it is picture perfect like everything that set up the you know the the roll up to windfall number one and then the 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 shatter machine to to basically not only win the second fall but be like now you guys are in trouble like that 
that set up a third fall where you're just like, man, the revival are just inevitable. But it was also like DIY for an entire year had done nothing but make you believe they could beat anybody anytime because they could just figure out a way, you know. But they and were then the finish, like the last fall, coming that last fall, big well, time. Yeah, but but also like, and so that's the thing. It's like the meta story of that, along with the actual execution, um, like. Champa came off like an absolute just Champa on the third fall was fan. That's his best performance. Ever. I know it's Gargano yeah. who, who gets the tap out, but Champa is just like on another level in that third fall. That was the first time I remember watching Champa. I was like, this guy's got something, man. Like he's that like I had seen him in ROH and PWG and, and, and kind of showcase type stuff. But like this was a completely different guy to me the way he was, he was going in that third fall. Um, but yeah, that's just, but I'm glad that you made the list. Just, I, I really waffled with it, but it being so recent kind of, it, it, I think it totally kind of screwed me up a little bit in trying to decide where yeah, I could yeah. put it. The, you that, know? that is hard. So. Um, but um, I actually looking at my list matches from the 2010s and beyond i have 23 matches so it's like a quarter of my list so i i I got over that um (laughs) but yeah i I can understand you you wanting to set on it because definitely uh you'll see there's some matches i ranked um much differently in 2015 than now uh, for sure i think that if you asked me to do this again in six months that that match makes my list and it would probably be in like the 75 to 80 range more than likely the second so. segment that we've had where you didn't have any of the matches so that's interesting yeah wow interesting okay all right so but i think you're gonna have a couple in mind so so number 50 so i don't think you have this one but this is the the very famous august 28th 1985 mid-south texas tuxedo coal miners glove loser leaves town match in the cage between Jim Duggan and, and That's Ted DiBiase. That's the one that uh, uh, dropped because I didn't really remember. Yeah. No, one of the great sub – it doesn't even go 10 minutes. Like one of the great – like just – first off, one of the great bloodlettings ever. Duggan is just a bloody mess in this match. One of the great comebacks and finishes as well. Um, but this is like, I, when anybody wanted to say, Oh, what's old school wrestling to you? Like, Oh, this is old school wrestling to me. So, uh, just a great match. Um, number 49, I know you don't have it on your list. Uh, definitely have it on mine. I think of it very highly January 21st, 1996 from new Japan for the UWA light heavyweight championship. El Samurai versus Shinjiro Otani. Uh, 96. January 21, 1996. That's match will probably be like a match that would make my list next time, like after I've watched it. Yes. Once you get there, yes. Um, you know, settings wise, one of the more interesting matches ever. Um, number 48. If you haven't said it, I, I, uh, I don't know if it's on your list, but I'm interested to see if it's higher from. 2014 Elimination Chamber, the Wyatt family versus the Shield. We'll talk about that later. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Number 47, Beach Blast 1992, Ricky Steamboat, Rick Rude, the Iron Man Challenge. That's a good 
And number 46, you're going to have it way higher than me. That's fine. I'm glad you do. Take over Brooklyn, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Uh, okay, I want you right now on your, your notepad or whatever you have open, I want you to write down and uh-huh. guess on what number I have that match. I, I so you want me to write it down? You don't want me to say okay. So I have I have my little my little part here. So yes, you have that. Um, yes, you have that. I want you higher. to guess the number. Okay, I'm, it put, down, I'm putting we'll I'm it. putting a number okay, right cool. now. I'm putting a number right now. So, um, I have it. So what what's the one that you want me to talk about here? Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff there. Um, yeah. I have three matches written down. Um, it's the ones I would love to hear about. So, but right. um, go with Steamboat Rude because that that's a fun one. Yeah, that's a fun one. Look, it's it's the best Iron Man match I think ever. I think that as a concept. So there's two things at play here, right? First is the multi-fall concept, obviously. But the second one is how Bill Watts made rules in WCW in 1992, right? So like – and how that psychology – like there was a trust in this match that the people in the crowd understood that, right, for one of the major turning points in that match, right? And so it's like – the, and you think about guys like Rude and Steamboat, who obviously in the WWF in the 80s were huge commodities, had big time matches on the biggest stages, and they come come into this match. They're basically – Rude in 92 is on another level. He goes on to be in the finals of the damn G1 Climax <laughs> too much of, after yes. this, right? Steamboat had just come back. We're going to talk about that match later um, You know, at the end of 91. And he is presented as a big deal as well. He should. And so they face off against each other after their great Super Brawl two match that had the uh, infamous Polly dangerously dresses a ninja <laughs> cell phone moment. And so they have the 30 minute match. But rude just for 20 minutes, absolutely obliterates Steamboat. And I mean, just like takes him to the woodshed for for 20 minutes. And then Steamboat. And, and the aforementioned spot, right, is Rude goes to the top, hits a knee drop. You can't come off the top rope in 92. That's a disqualification. But he doesn't care because, yes, he loses the fall, but he gets to cover Steamboat and win the fall right back. Copied right? Spot. And so absolutely um, and in different circumstances. But it's also like I don't care because that's going to set me up for the rest of the match. And then uh, the great tombstone reversal sequence with a couple minutes to go that then leads to steamboat getting a fall being one way one away or and then tying it up and then getting that fall to to take the lead and roots furious scramble to try and get something anything any type of pinfall while steamboat just hangs on for dear life it's the closest um, you can get to a feeling of like a team down by a goal pulling their goalie and wrestling yes Absolutely. No, this is this is this is like, you know, down by five with a minute to go. You got hit two threes type of situation, like literally like legitimate sports competition. Like Bill Watts must have been losing his shit backstage <laughs> yeah. when he um, <laughs> it's like yeah, Oklahoma's down 14 with six minutes to go, man. Can he do it? Um, but but it's just, you know, it, it's a match that rightfully so 30 minutes, 30, 30 minutes long. 
I think a lot of people should aim for 30 minute Iron Man matches or Iron Woman matches. You already talked about a 31 minute Iron Woman match. It's I think it's an incredible concept. I think going 60 is too long. I think 30, you can do a much better job of storytelling. You're telling people to have a better sense of how to tell a story instead of leaning on time. Um, But yeah, this is just, it's an incredible match. It is the best Rick Rude match, I think, ever. And one of Steamboat's greatest uh, achievements. And one of those matches that you just realize, like, as boring as it is to see Ricky Steamboat He'll be on my list a half dozen times by the time this list is done. But it's also like, what do you do? You know, like he's undeniable as as one of the greatest ones wrestlers to ever do it. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, take 30 minutes, go watch it. And don't try and just copy that spot with the knee drop. There are other things in this match that are incredibly well done. Rick Rude puts on a selling performance. They do two, three minutes in a camel clutch. And it's in, it's engrossing. Yeah. Like they do three minutes in a camel clutch because Root has a lead, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna just sit back and enjoy yeah, this. I, I'm, I'm taking essentially a and just right? grind and this man down. And then it turns into his downfall because yes, he tries to run out the clock, and Steve knows there's more time. So um, just just tremendous stuff. The best, absolutely yeah, yeah. the best. And like you said, the more you talk about it, the more it's like, yeah, this was probably bill watts like ideal form of wrestling match ever yeah 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 absolutely was okay so so you're 46 to 41 now or 45 to 41 Uh, sorry and weirdly i did i didn't realize this all of these are crazy insane brawls (laughs) nice I had a stretch like that too coming up. All right, cool. All right, right, so number 45 is the um, 2012 Extreme Rules match between Brock Lesnar and John Cena at Extreme Rules. I have that higher. It's insane. Um, Number 89, or sorry, number 44 is a match you had number 89, which is the Necro Butcher Super Dragon Insane PWG Battle of Black Angels (laughs) match. That match, man, it's just—it's insane. What? What is it? I'm trying to remember. What is it that Super Dragon just straight up throws at Necro Butcher on the outside oh, when they're yeah. in the crowd? What it's is like it? a cake? He throws. He, it was something. He just threw something at Necro Butcher just off camera <laughs> that just brains him. And I was just like, "What am I watching?" Yeah, that's the biggest like what the um, fuck. If if like Twitter yes. existed at the time. This would be like the most oh, gift match of all oh, time. Absolutely. No, great, great selection. Great selection. Uh, man. Number four. Absolutely. So two insane brawls. Okay, next. From uh, May 4th, 1981, the alley fight between Pat Patterson and Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, so I have another Sergeant Slaughter 80s match on my list, uh, but that uh, that did not make that's, it, but that's that a good one like too. the prototype for the other one, and it's not quite yeah. as great, but it's fucking great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next up is uh, number 42 is another hair versus hair match. Uh, this one from August 28, 1985, Nagayo versus Dump Matsumoto. I have yeah, that higher. Dramatic performances of all time. Yeah. Um, and a match, my number 41 is a match you had at 57. Um, it is the Combat Toyota versus Nikudo Barbed yeah. Wire Ooh. Explosion. Yes. Match. <laughs> 
good lord. That's a stretch of that. <laughs> How do you, God, what do I pick? Because three of those matches are on my list too. So I got I got I got to pick which are the ones that are not on my list. The only one you that, don't have anywhere is Patterson Slaughter. Okay. So we got to talk about that. Because um known probably famously for the blood on Pat Patterson shirt, right? Like one of the great bloody visuals ever. Oh, Pat Patterson. Um, but like but one of the great babyface yeah, performances in so a, bloody, in a match like, ever. You know when you go to like a, a death match, like it, you're wearing like your mm-hmm. clothes. I don't know, matters in there. Right. That's awesome. Um, it's so bloody. Yeah. It, it's it's this great concept too that you don't see anymore. Yeah. Where the match you have to win inside the ring uh, by pinfall, but the referee is outside the ring and only comes in whenever there's a pinfall attempt. So it's like kind of like a reverse Texas death match where um, mm-hmm. you do the kind of the extra time before the pin. So it makes all the pinfalls like super dramatic. Um, Slaughter here is the heel instead of the baby face, like the other one. And he is one of the best bumping insane heels of all time. And he bloodies and beats the shit out of Pat Patterson, who um, violently tries to fight back. <laughs> and it's like Patterson's like semi retired, mostly retired at this point. And it's kind of like a, this is like, right. um, you know, all the WrestleManias where a legend makes an appearance and does a comeback match, but like done better. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. Patterson, who's basically a road agent, comes out of retirement to to uh, stick it to, to slaughter. And they have an insane alley fight um, that, uh, yeah, if you've only seen the boot camp match between uh, slaughter and Sheik, you should watch this one because it's it's almost as yeah. It is a the 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 final Patterson firing up with the blood and the white shirt is one of the just the great visceral images in in wrestling history to me. Like I that's the thing I will always remember from that match is when he finally is just like enough of this and just starts peppering Slaughter and Slaughter's bumping like a goddamn pinball for him. Um, ah, just it is. And it is because, yes, Slaughter is on. It's so strange. Slaughter is in a similar match three years later on the other (laughs) side playing the Patterson role. Right. Um, But his performance as this this heel that absolutely lets Patterson shine, especially in the in the final minutes, is just uh, it is. It's it's, it's tremendous. It's it's textbook pro wrestling. And very few matches really say that. And, and this is a great feud blow off. It is great way to have the baby face come up and win and, and all that great stuff. It really is. So awesome. Stuff. That was my, my bloodiest session. of the. <laughs> that is all right. So now we go to my oh, bloody nice. section and boy, there is some blood here. All right. Except for the first one, the first one you had at, uh, you, you mentioned it earlier. Um, uh, I have it at 45. It is the Champions Carnival 1995 final between Mitsuhara Misawa and Akira Tawe. That's not so bloody. Uh, 44. You haven't mentioned it yet, which means I don't know if it's on your list yet. I hope it is. Money in the Bank 2011, CM Punk versus John Cena. Like, like in theory, that should be. Steven. Yeah, it's higher. Okay. 
Okay, good. 40, Thank God. I was like, whoa, 43. timeout. I was like, okay. 43. I have a little bit higher. You, uh, so I'm at 44 with oh, mine. 44. Sorry. Okay. My 43 is a match you had earlier. Um, this is the Starcade 1983 dog collar match for the U.S. title between Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper. And then right behind it at 42, I hope you've seen it, even though it's not in order, with your chronological Joshi watch, July 14th, 1994, LLPW, Nakano, Shinobu Kandori in a chain That's match. That's on my to-watch list in order. Good. Okay. And then number 41, uh, WrestleMania 31. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I don't have that, but I want you to talk about that because I think you'll. Okay, so it is. It's the so this is a match. I am still upset with myself. Uh, it was in San Jose. I chose not to go because Eric Ritz and I had gone to the two shows for Evolve and uh, the WWN Super Show the, those two days before, Friday and Saturday. And I was like, I don't want to go back down to San Jose and watch WrestleMania. My buddy had tickets up in the in the nosebleeds, right, at, at Levi Stadium. And I was like, you know what, I, I'm not going to. I, of course, watched the show live at home. And then this match happens, and I was just like, oh. I would fuck. I wish I, I was here for this. Um, it's it's the best WrestleMania main event ever. Um, it is not just the uh, genesis of Suplex City, but it is like this is one of the worst things that possibly had happened here. Is and of course they didn't. Was they decided to go for the big moment at the end with Seth doing the heist of the century. Instead of making Roman Reigns by putting him over the booking decision, notwithstanding the 15 minutes that preceded Rollins interjecting himself into the match is one of the all time great babyface performances. Roman Reigns could not have had a better babyface performance than in that match, because when he started coming back and it looked like he finally might be figuring out a way to take down Lesnar. Like he was no better baby face in his entire run than in those five minutes, essentially in his entire run. And I really wish they would have called the audible to put Roman over then and then have Seth, you know, do do the deed a month later, what have you, because I think you would have gotten a lot of the BS that people thought about Roman off the plate right then and there. Yeah. Right. Um, more than likely, but what ends up happening is Brock doesn't want to lose the title right now. The in you know by direct pinfall, and so this is what they come up with. And you know, Seth not only winning but taking the fall is 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 a Roman taking the fall is just like egregious in a lot of ways. But the fifteen, I can't, I just the fifteen minutes. Just take those fifteen minutes. Right before he comes out and it's Roman bloodying, getting bloodied up by Brock hard way, getting absolutely ragdolled in a way he had never been ragdolled before. And then his comeback 
was just impeccable. And Brock starts bumping like a madman for him. And there's just great emotion. There's this just great way that as the match goes on, people actually start getting behind Roman where they definitely were (laughs) not getting behind him two months ago. Right. They actually were buying it. They're like, oh, my God, in real time, something is happening here that nobody thought would actually happen. It was Roman Reigns getting over as a baby face. Um, And then they just, you know, like, eh, whatever. But that everything that was done for those 15 minutes were some of the best 15 minutes that Vince McMahon's ever produced. Right. And so it's like that's the thing. It's like that's where when you see that happen, you're just like. Why do you step on your own toes? <laughs> you know, because if there was a finish, yeah. this might be in my top twenty-five. Yeah. You know, yeah. Looking um, as but I, I, type of match. yeah, but boy, just uh, what a just a tremendous piece of business up until that point. Um, and Roman's best performance for a long, long time. Uh, not Brock's best performance since he came back, but uh, boy, what a. Just that 15 minutes was just stiff <laughs> when, because of how Brock beat his ass. Like there was no choice but to turn Roman into a valiant baby face. And then they still didn't do that. So, all right, I'm done with that. I'm done with the like the doubling back on that. Just once you see both men down at about the 15 minute mark, just hit pause and don't and, and don't watch the next five <laughs> minutes. You'll be fine. So. Uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, yeah. Okay, my number 40 match is a match that uh, it seems like no one has seen, but every time I show it to them, they absolutely fall in love with it, and it's such a beautiful classic. Uh, from March 29th, 2019, from Rise, it's Kylie Ray versus Mercedes Martinez in a no-rope submission match. Okay, so you you have talked this matchup big, and yes, I have not seen this. You have definitely uh, talked I this try. matchup big. So. Uh, my next All match right. is a match you have higher, which is uh, from 2004 No Way Out, Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero. Yes. Uh, yep. Another match you have higher is from May 25th, 1991, Profit and Furnace versus Kabashi and Kikuchi. 92. 92. Yep. yep. Why do I have 91? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't know. But... <laughs> Funny thing about that that you just did on my list, I had it right under Dream uh, Dream Rush from from the last time we did this list, and I put the Dream Rush date instead of the actual oh. date on it. So uh, we have both messed up the date on this match in our respective That's lists. <laughs> so we're doing great. It's super great. We're doing great. I, yeah. I want to like, go and fix that match on my master list. Okay, there All right. you are. 1992. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, next. Oh, my God. So uh, when we were going through the 80s, the All Japan Classics, uh, this is a match mm-hmm. that um, it cuts off mid-match and is heavily edited. But when you're watching it, like, this is the greatest match ever. Or, like, this is awesome. And uh, then they just cut it off and like, in the middle of a submission hold and go to the music and end the Classics episode. And then... Um, okay. Me and Johnny P, we spent like 20 minutes searching for it, and we, we eventually like found the Japanese characters for these people's names and searched it on YouTube and found it. And uh, yeah, fucking mm-hmm. classic. The finals of the Best of the Tag League from October 11, 1987. Bull, uh, Nakano, and Condor Sato versus the Crush Gals. 
Yeah. So this is, yeah. Okay. That's probably the match I want you to talk about, but let's see what else you got. Uh, and then uh, number 36 is a match that um, I just found out on Twitter a couple weeks ago, um, as Mr. Sean Waltman pointed out that this match is actually 48 minutes long and it was edited down to television uh, from July 11th, uh, 1994, 1, 2, 3, Kid vs. Bret Hart. Wow. Can you believe that? Do I want that it's story? No, okay. So The full version. That okay. exists somewhere, and they haven't okay. released it. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that to us, Waltman. Um, okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about, let, let, let's, let's just talk about the Crush Gals, uh, tag match, because this is, Basically, the end of their peak, 87, uh, as an act, right? They're still they they still stick around for through 1989, um, but you know, and the Kano is ascendant. This is her kind of breaking away. You know, she's not, Dump is not retired yet, right? In 87, right? She's still around in 87. I'm trying to, I can't remember. Um, but this is, but the Crush Gals at this point are still, you know as an act, the, 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 the water carriers and all Japan women. So talk about this match, because I also like the story about half the match being on tape and then half the match being on YouTube and how you had to splice it together. So I'd love to so, hear yeah, about this. I don't know why, but if you watch all Japan classics, um, they, they added this match and then, uh, and it looks awesome, but they added it. And so about the halfway point, um, Shigusa puts, uh, I think Condor Sato into the Scorpion Deathlock, and the music plays, mm-hmm. and the episode ends. The classics, and you're sitting there like, okay, so this is the finals of the tag league. It's been super dramatic. The Crush Gals, um, you know, they're fighting back via, uh, valiantly as Bull and Condor are like, Bull is a fucking like, she's finally like stepping out as like a monster. And Condor is uh, doing that Osaka role of just like coming in and being violent and getting out uh, as like a, a little steep keel. And uh, so the music plays and you're just sitting there going like, like, this has been awesome, but like, th- that's not the finish. Like, what the fuck's happening? Like, what, what's All Japan Classics thinking? Um, so you're, you're like, I need to see this full match because it's so good so far and I want to know how it ends. And... Uh, you go searching on YouTube and it's not easy to find. Um, you can't no. just type in those names and find the match. It doesn't exist that way. Um, however, uh, after like, I think it was like 20, 30 minutes of searching, um, we found their names in Japanese kanji and did that search on YouTube. And we found, um, I'm not sure uh, if it's just the full match itself or if it's the full match in the middle of a show. Like, it's the full show. Right. Uh, but we found that on YouTube, and we watched the full match. And first of all, the first half that they air on Classics is edited and is better in full. And then there's like 10 more minutes after that spot <laughs> that they didn't air on the Classics version. <laughs> and it's... It's everything you would want and expect from these teams. Uh, Dump's army without Dump and Bull being the new step up and the Crush Gals being the Crush Gals. Um, it's everything you want mm-hmm. and it exists it, it, and it's fucking awesome. 
Um, so yeah, uh, it, if you can find yeah. it, watch it, and don't watch the classics version because that is insane. Because I, I have the classics version yeah. on tape, which is what was which is the funny oh, part. Man, so I yeah, believe, I, I couldn't believe the the fucking what they did there. Um, but yeah, the Crush Gals obviously they 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 win the the they win the, the thing again the second time. But oh man. Um, who the fuck in the middle of a classic match just like plays the intro music and ends the show? Hey, tab, t- TV time remaining, man. That's all I got to say. This is like 20 years later. This is airing. Uh, <laughs> it's I don't so mind boggling. That's that's so. It is so. I don't. Oh, it's, it's one of the most frustrating <laughs> and rewarding experiences. <laughs> like when we were chronologically the 1990s, we watched like everything. Uh, the 80s, we were a lot mm-hmm. more selective. Um, and you yeah, have to be. Because yeah, not everything was released the yeah, way it should have been. That, so that was that was a something. Um, I yeah, know people absolutely. Prefer the '85 tag league. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I preferred this one at the time. A lot of people like the '86. A lot of people like the '86 uh, tag league too. I think, but yeah, the, the I think '85. Yeah. 85 was the one that I think a lot of people 86. I think it was the one that had the it most on tape. I can't remember if it was 85 or 86. Put over top. But yeah. this one is a fucking classic tag match. Uh, yeah. It's everything you want nice. between these teams. And if you can find it, get a watch. All right. All right. Well, now it's on to my 36 through 40. So 40, this is something you had already mentioned. I, I didn't know when you did, but this is the Stan Hansen versus Toshiaki Kawada All Japan, February 20th, 1993. So that's my number uh, 40. What do you have it at? At, at uh, 74. Okay. Got it. All right. And then my number 39 match is one of a couple of these types of matches on the list. It is from May 21st, 1994 for the double tag team titles, all Japan, Mitsuharu Misawa and Kento Kabashi versus Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe. Number 38, the aforementioned June 6th, 1984 boot camp match, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik. Higher. 37. I don't think you have this on your list, or you may, or it, this might be one you've fallen off. I can't remember. Um, July 29th, 1993, for the Triple Crown, Misawa versus Kawada. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> no? Okay. And then you had this match earlier, I think in the 50s it was, number 36, Jumbo Saruta versus Mitsuhara Misawa from September 1st, 1990. Yeah, that's a, that's a fucking classic. Oh, man. hmm there's a lot to talk about you know here. One um, of these matches has Stan Hansen hitting a lariat so hard that he falls out. Yeah. Okay. Ring. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> um, that can I also say that that's not my favorite part of the match. What? Okay. Go for it. That's not my favorite part of the match. Would you like to know what my favorite yeah. part of that match is? It's, it's the part where Kawada does a timber cell. Do you remember the timber cell? <laughs> okay, yeah. That is the best part of this match. Um, it is a spot that actually that timber cell becomes a little bit of a – this is a great thing that Hansen did. So Hansen has three matches in 1993 that 
are are really 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 uh highly considered this is one of them yeah which we'll talk about later the the 19 uh, the uh, july 29th match with kenta kobashi and the champions carnival 93 kobashi match was one of the nastiest uh you know endings ever um but this match the transition which is the aforementioned timber cell (laughs) which is just like (laughs) but you don't think of kawada doing it right um but yeah, like it's just so Kawada is in this match. He's just a master. This I don't know how else to put it. Like the way he sells for Hanson in this match is is otherworldly. It is one of the great virtuoso selling performances ever. Um. Hansen, this is kind of like minimalist Hansen in a way. He hits all of his big stuff really good. Uh, and, you know, Kawada just tries to chop him down wherever he can because it's very difficult for him to do his normal stuff against a guy like Hansen, um, which is, but this is what's really strange about it is this is really the only big singles match they ever have with each other. That's the only one right? I can recall. Yeah. Uh, right. They have Champions Carnival matches in 93 and stuff like that. But, like, um, this is the match, essentially, between the two of them. And, um, but the finish is is what it is. Like, you know, the Lariat hits. Kawada falls out of the ring. His momentum right? was so much, he hit the Lariat so hard, he couldn't even stay in the ring. <laughs> I just... I love it. I I still can't believe it. I'm just and then and then, of course, he has to kind of like find his way back into the <laughs> ring where Kawada is basically just he's done. He's been done. Um, but then he still has to finish him off after that, which is great. Um, but, yeah, just one of the greatest spots of all time. Just like Hansen's Hansen's creativity with the Lariat at this point, well documented. Uh, obviously, the big one in a couple months we'll talk about later. But um, I just. I can't. I still can't believe that spot exists. I just can't. I just can't. And really, people have tried to copy something like that in previous years, but like just the way that looks, it doesn't get much better than that. It just doesn't. You're not going to get anything as clean as smooth. It's just the absolute yeah, best. One of the great so, spots. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, everything leading up to it, Kawada like trying to stand toe to toe with him and looking like he could until, you know, Hanson just hauls off on him force of nature and timber. It is. And, um, man, uh, one of the great unsung all Japan singles matches, um, people kind of put it in a second tier or even a third tier. And it's, it's one of the great, it's probably the single or one of the, I wouldn't say the single greatest, but in the top three, best non-title singles matches in all Japan in the nineties, I would say top three, top five, depending. I probably would actually have it at four based on what my rankings are. But if you had in your top three, I would not, I wouldn't hold it against you. So. Oh boy. Man, Good stuff. It's exhausting. Uh, all right. It is 35 through 31 for me now. Um, and I'm going to start with 35 and this is a match. You either have higher or uh, we'll need to talk after the podcast. Uh, yeah. This is from March mm-hmm. 20th, 1986, All Japan Women. Dump Matsumoto versus Yukari Omori. 
Okay, so we need to talk about – okay, so this is going to be the match we talk about because this match has become a supernova um, since people started digging into 80s. This is going to be the match we talk about, but go on with the rest right. of your list. So. Uh, number 34 is a match you had at 63 uh, from the May 5th, uh, 1993 FMW uh, show, No Ropes, Barbed yep. Wire, Explosion. Death Onita yeah. versus Terry Funk. Man, I have three wild, wild matches in a row here. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Number 33, to cap that off, is May 11, 2013, uh, from Toto X Toto, Dr. Wagner Jr. versus L.A. Park, in one of the most insane oh, so I I thought about that match too. There were so many LA, LA Park, Park matches like, I thought about. And I just like this I'm so upset with, with myself this match that starts with of, LA Park burning a Dr. Wagner T-shirt and then yeah, flipping, flipping him off, him off. and it, it like it gets wild from there. That's just it's one of the greatest single images in the history of professional yeah. wrestling. So. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. So go ahead. That's wild. Okay. I don't even want to know. Thirty-two and thirty-one. How okay. do you top that? I, I top that by going to Dream Slam two and doing Kanze and Ozaki versus Yamada and Toyota. <laughs> okay. I have this in this oh, okay. group. It's not thirty-two, but okay. it's close. Uh, and yeah. finally, number thirty-one, the most recent match to take place that's on my list from June twelfth. All right. Uh, stardom. Uh, Saruri versus Utami Hash. Um, Hayashima, um, this great match that like made hundreds of like it doubled Stardom World's subscriptions overnight um, because this match is so yeah. good. So. Yeah, no, that's I've I heard that that was uh, it's pretty minutes. wild how much. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we need to talk about the Omori dump match it? because so oh I have God. not. That's why it's not on my list. However. I'm pretty sure Elliot released his list and has it at I, number one. I believe so. Um, I'm pretty sure this is his number one match. Well, so, okay. so need need to talk about this match because this is like this is so this was this is a horror show. Dump. <laughs> this is kind of like the last. So Dump has one more famous hair mask with. Nagayo that you already brought up on your list. Uh, but like this is this mass for some reason has become incredibly, incredibly emblazoned in a lot of in this group of people that have been watching the 80s all Japan stuff lately. And so talk about why this match has become uh, one of the talks of that. Okay, of that this set. is a horror show. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, so this is. Um, so. Before the match, I guess, leading up to this, Dump had cut some of Omari's hair. And she had a stupid haircut going into it because of that. So Dump mm-hmm. decides, you know what? I might as well just fucking use scissors as a weapon in this match, right? And I've done that before. Mm-hmm. How can I make it more insane? Why don't I tie Omari up in the ropes stab the scissors into her arm and then walk away while the scissors stay stuck in her arm. Dump Matsumoto is on another (laughs) level. She's just on another level, folks. and her army destroy the fuck out of Omori, who is a badass and tries to fight back, but 
Uh, she can't. It gets so violent that the match seemingly stops. And, like, everyone's in the ring. Um, we yell at each other a bunch. Uh, like, the promoters are there saying, you know, like, okay, Amori's dead. Like, fuck it. Like, obviously. Uh, Shigusa's like, fuck you. You know, let's go. Um, all this happens, and they're like, and Amori just, like, says, no. I'm going to kick her ass. <laughs> and wow. So it continues. And, you know, um, Dump uses the scissors and just stabs Amori's leg, because that's her version of doing leg work. Um, <laughs> Um, so that's great it is a match you have to watch to believe because it is violence on another level that wrestling doesn't get to without being like you know um, death matches with barbed wire and explosions like this is just another level of that and it's it's the most visceral and like it's it's just shocking. It's a shocking match to watch. Yeah. You can't believe it when you watch it. It's that's kind of the thing. And so Dump Matsumoto being who she is at this time, you, you, it's it's wild how much you're like, well, she can't do this. And then she does something even worse. Like that's what makes her an amazing heel. Right. Is that no, no single person in any era of wrestling ever understood her role relative to the environment that she was working in probably better than Dump Matsumoto. Um, and that's saying something, but she alone is responsible for like PTSD. half of the people who decided to come into like she alone is, is, is responsible for Aja Kong having a career, you know? So, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, Man, 86 was a good year um, yep. <laughs> of wrestling. Um, just, uh, bear with me. This, this is good is radio. Amazing radio. Um, and yeah, I'm an idiot. So there's that too. Yeah. That happens. Um, there it is. Okay. So. Okay, this is uh, Elliot's review upon watching it. Um, this is an unbelievable match. Dump is an absolute monstrous peak. This is all brawling, run-ins, emotion, etc. Amore was an incredible wrestler. The hidden gem of the Ultraman uh, women's legends, for sure. Uh, you've heard all about Shigusa, Jaguar, Dump, and Devil of the Jumping Mom Angels, but Amore was just as good. She could brawl with Dump and Devil. Or work classic title matches against Suzuki. This is on another level uh, of the best matches ever. Anytime scissors are dangling out of your arm and you keep rolling, you're a legend. <laughs> but this is yeah. the Matsumoto match for the year. Um, it's, yeah. it's a horror show. Um, everyone, yeah, yeah. It, it, if you can stomach it, watch it. Yeah, about to say. <sighs> All right, so now I have to go from there. I have to do 35 through yeah, 31 now? Okay, well. <laughs> All right. Number 35, you had this earlier. It is from Halloween Havoc 1997. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr., title versus mask. 
Beautiful match. The opposite of the match we just talked Beautiful. about. Yes, absolutely. Two of the most awe-inspiring spots ever. Um, number 34. Did not make my list last time. One of the largest jumpers to go from not on my list to being on my list. And it was because I totally forgot about <laughs> it last time. July 7th, 1990. Great American Bash. The Midnight Express versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. Uh, the best, One of the best Southern tag matches of all time. The Southern Boys. Now, the fun part. You have this at 32. I have it oh, at 33. Dream Slam 2. April 11th, 1993. Toshio Yamada, Minami Toyota versus Dynamite Kanzai and Mayumi Ozaki. Isn't that wild? Can't wait to get, if we're talking about the other one, it's going to be hilarious. Number 32, July 12th, 1992. Great American Bash. Sting defends the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against Big Van Vader. Okay. And number 31, the first of the trilogy to show up, but it has fallen 22 spots from when I had it last. It was at number nine on my first list. It is at 31 today. It is April 2nd, 1989, Class 6, Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair. You know what? I want to, I want to talk about that one because I, I'm fascinated uh, why that would drop so much for you. So I'm I'm kind of down on the Steamboat Flair series in general. It's, it's something that I'll still have in high regard. But it's – I have found singular matches that do for me way more than I think the aura of this trilogy have done for me. Right. However, I also absolutely cannot say no to these matches in a sense that I would, I'd feel bad dropping them completely off my list, but I did tick them all down a considerable amount. This one being the largest, um, the first fall still incredible. It's amazing that they have a fall last 30 minutes like that, and it goes by in a flash. The 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 back and forth is just perfection. Um, the arm work that sets it up for the second fall for Steamboat to win with the double chicken wing to lead to a frantic third fall. Um, just great stuff all around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just this in general, because I do have the other two matches on here, but I don't think any of them yet yeah. i'll just say this now none of them are in my top 10 anymore they the three of them were all in my top 10 none of them are no longer in my top 10 anymore um but it's i think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that while i can appreciate the style there are other types of wrestling that have come to like more and so i weighed that a little bit more in my decision making when it came to putting him on a list like this so um but this match has one of the great things ever, which is you have a, a 60 minute match that does not feel like 60 minutes at all. It's, it's about as breezy as 60 minute match as you'll, as you'll see. Imagine how much fucking so. cardio these two do. <laughs> yeah, man, just, and they were doing these 60 minute matches every night, yeah. essentially against each other for four or five months. Um, there's the Philadelphia handheld match from around this time, right after, um, steamboat one, I think it was at the spectrum, 
um, which I almost consider for this list because I actually think it might be better than this match. Um, but I don't really remember too much from it other than the first time I saw it, saw it being like, oh, this is a tremendous and, and worthy part of it. Um, but, um, you know, this it's a match that I'm fine. I'm fine, including. But it's just like they're not totems for me in my wrestling fandom anymore. So. All right, man. Top 30 time. But top 30 time. Here we go. Number 30. Uh, January 4th, 1991, Akira Hokuto Bull Nakano, uh, two greatest wrestlers ever, doing greatest wrestler ever shit okay. in a match. Yep. Yep. You, uh, you love that match very much, and I'm glad that, that that's one, high. Number but two wrestlers of all time. So yep. any match between go. them, I'm probably going to overrate. Um, number 29, uh, I alluded to it earlier from December 22nd, 2016, uh, Iro Shirai versus Mayo Itani. Uh, just mm-hmm. a okay. nutty, amazing performance. Um, uh, I just watched it actually last night because um, Elliot hadn't seen it, and yeah, it blew his mind too. So that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Next up, number twenty-eight is a match you had at forty-four. Uh, it's the two thousand eleven Money in the Bank between Punk and Cena. Wow, I absolutely thought that I was going to be the high high person there. Um, that's that's <sighs> I, crazy I find, uh, that you I had find, that high, but. Um, Emotion and specialness as like yeah. a huge thing. And I think like again, I think that even in six months that match might even be higher. Because I bumped it up twenty two <laughs> spots from my last one. I had it sixty six oh, on my last list. This is at forty four they dropped it three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I have a feeling this will go up higher. Um there's even a part of me that thinks I probably should have put it over at least the first flare match. So um, but that's 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 a good one. All right, so number thirty-two or uh, twenty-seven. Is a sorry, criminally underrated at number seventy-seven. Tenru and Hansen versus Jai Baba and Rasha Kumura from November 29th, eighteen eighty-nine. That's, that's ballsy, <laughs> but I respect you so much for it. I respect you so much for that. I one really of the best do. Starts to a match, if not the best ever. Oh no, no, if not the best start ever. Uh, <laughs> poor Rush. <laughs> poor Rush. Rasha Kumura. <laughs> He didn't have it. He couldn't do anything. Baba could take it out in 20 seconds. What's he supposed to do? Kimura, of all people. It's like, oh, God. Oh, man. So it's like if, like, fucking Kevin Nash teamed with Vincent for, like, versus the Steiners, and, like, Kevin yeah, Nash but, gets taken out right, in the first second. And Nash gets taken out. It's like, hey, Vincent, you got to go 15 against the outside. The, the number two native and the number one gaijin. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, man, and then number 26 is uh, another match from Dream Rush 92. Uh, this is the title change between Andre yeah. Kong and Bolton. Yeah, yeah. A match that I also considered um, an incredible stretch run. Just uh, so dramatic. The, and the promos the, before, because we got yeah. the subtitle too. Uh-huh. And, and after. after. The promo after. Oh, man. There's a promo. Um, um, during... Bison Kimura's um, retirement ceremony. Aja Khan basically is like, I'm going to fucking take the title for you tonight. And you're going to be in my corner while yeah. I do it. And it, it, it's a great, great mm-hmm. moment. Um, yeah. So. yeah. All right. So I want to talk about this match because so obviously we're going to get to the main event because it's going to be high on your list, maybe near the top of your list. It is very much high on my list. But this match 
along with the aforementioned uh, Kyoke Onoe uh, Akira Hokoto match. So this top three is a freaking murderer's fucking row uh, for for your top three matches in, a in, in a card. This is one yeah. show that has three matches on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, you know, I know Meltzer's star ratings don't really matter here, but I think he, he I think he went four and a half plus on all three of these matches when he when he first saw it. So like the but but like I said, like when you have a transcendent match atop the card, like you lose a lot of like what happens below yeah. it, right? Um but this match, uh especially the stretch run, where Bull, who's been the champion for over two years. I mean, you need to talk about it's it, but two just years of what leads to the end of this match. Paid off. Yeah, just like, insane. How yeah. often yeah. do you have a feud that lasts two years um, and has had? Mm. It's got three matches on my list from this one feud. First of all, that that's right. no one else has that. Um, so come versus Dakano. Yeah, this is the second of three matches on my list. First of all, um, so you have these, you have two years of them just feuding after being partners for a year or so before that. And, um, this just, it just builds to this moment. And, um, you have the moment where Ajakong throws everything she possibly can. Um, this is like, right. um, sometimes overkill of finishers is too much, but in this case, it's perfect because, no one can beat right. Lakano. Nobody until Ajakov right. does it. Um, and then not only that, so you have this, so you have the beautiful moment during the retirement ceremony where Ajakov asks Bison Kimura, who's recently retired, to stand in her corner one more time, and she's going to end it. You know, she's going to end it tonight with her there, there by her side, and she's only going to do it because Bison's there, which is a, is a mm-hmm. good moment too. Uh, and then after the match. Aja Kong finally does it. Like she's the person who ends the most legendary title reign, maybe in wrestling history. And Aja Kong wins that title. And Bull Nakano basically, uh, you know, she hugs her and like, you know, um, uh, like basically says, yeah, you're the, you're the fucking man now. Uh, and Kong before that, she's like, I couldn't have done, I couldn't have become the monster I became without you pushing me to my limits uh, throughout um, right. It's just the most beautiful end to the most amazing, wild, violent yeah. uh, story from being rookies, like where uh, it goes from Dump. Dump has her army. Bull is her second. Dump moves away. Bull is now the leader. Aja Kong is her second. Uh, and then Aja Kong says, no, fuck it. I'm not going to be a second anymore. And it takes her like two years for her not to be a second anymore. Uh, but she does mm-hmm. it in this match with one of the most dramatic finishing sequences ever. Just a thing of beauty. Yeah. Um, when Bull misses the the flipping leg yeah. drop, you're like, I, oh, I think I can, I think I, it can happen finally. I got, I was like, oh shit. Um, I mean, leg drop, moonsault. She goes for the somersault leg drop, and I was like, oh shit, here it comes. And yeah, you're right. Then Aja just unloads and is like. I have to do it. Um, I got goosebumps. Incredibly got goosebumps emotional. About this match. Yeah, no, like when when that happened, I it was incredibly visceral because it's like it that showed you Bull had to go to those lengths 
to finish off Aja. She had to pull out the biggest thing she had. And it was like, it's either now or this or now or never. And so she misses and like, Aja's got to take it. This, there's no other chance. This is her and, moment. She's got to um, do it now or never. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and she just becomes ascendant in that moment. And like I said, the post match is, is incredible. Um, just one of the, like, this this is a huge turning point because Bull kind of sinks back and becomes, you know, upper mid card. She'll she'll she get her shots at some big moments. She doesn't have to be the ace anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. No lie. Right. Um. And and then all of a sudden it's just like well, but then she has oh. three more years where you're just like oh yeah, she's still one of we the best of all time. That um. Bull was doing the thing where there was so many amazing title defenses that she was just kind of wearing down. Yes. Yeah, no, she for two years, um, she she held that company up. And then, you know, as the all Japan mid 80s retirement started and JD started up and LLPW started up and JWP started up like she was still the the, she was the queen. She was the freaking person on top that that nobody else really had other other than kind of like this, uh, you know, I wouldn't say nepotism, but it was also like, well, it was their companies, of course, they're the ace, right? So, um, but yeah, she, her run is is incredible. So, uh, and a fitting end to to say the least. So, um, all right, so I got to go thirty through twenty six yeah. now. Oh, man. You might need to catch a breath. So, uh, you me- you mentioned this earlier, but I have it at thirty. Uh, it is the title match from August twenty second, nineteen eighty five, between Jaguar Yokota and Linus Asuka. Uh 29, Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher, June 11th, 2005. Number 28, another match I just plain forgot, and I ended up putting it very, very high this time around. September 17th, 1997, EMLL 64th Anniversario, Mascara Contra Caballera, El Hijo de Santo versus Negro Casas. That's a, that's a match. Um, that is um, yeah. Um, I just like it was one of the last cuts. Yeah. So, number twenty-seven. You had this on your list earlier. I have it here. Extreme Rules twenty twelve. John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. And then number twenty-six. Just like on the actual show itself, I bookend this run. With the other match from August twenty second, nineteen eighty five, which I know you have higher, which is insane and awesome, Chigusa Nagayo versus Devil Masami. Um, so I have it at twenty six. I am very interested to see where you have it if you don't have it at twenty six. Sorry, what's the uh, the match here? I apologize. Jen, this is August twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Devil Masami versus Chigusa Nagayo. Um, I had that 78. Oh, I marked the wrong one. So the one I had at 30 was Jaguar versus Linus. Oh, okay. Jaguar versus Did you have Linus, that on your list? Uh, from 85, that same show? Same um, show, yeah. Um, I think that was one of my final cuts. Yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, man. So do we just, do we need to just talk about both of those yeah, matches then? Because, yeah. like... So 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 I uh, when when Charles uh, Loss asked me to write for Pro Wrestling Only last year, this was the first match I picked was the um, Linus uh, Devil match. Um, 
All Japan Women's biggest show ever to to date in Tokyo at Sumo Hall. They run uh, 13,000 strong. Then six days later, they go to Osaka and they have a match that we'll talk about later. Um, This match happened on a Thursday. This show happened on a Thursday and it drew 13,000 people on a Thursday. I'm reading a book. Why? Because um, that was like basically it's a study of um, Japanese women's wrestlers uh, and how they feel about um, gender and um, their bodies. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's a chapter where they uh, they talk about what got them into wrestling and like pretty much everyone, it's so uh, it's the Crush Gals. <laughs> yeah, and and the reason why they threw this on a Thursday is because they wanted this to happen when the the schoolgirls could oh come God, and watch the such show, a right? Great environment right? with them yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, any show from that era. So, yeah. oh my God. So I toyed with putting uh, Yokoto Asuka above this match because that is one of the the. Jaguar Yokota in that match, that is one of the greatest single performances I've ever seen. Like, as good as Linus Asuka is in that match, what Jaguar does in that match at the absolute peak of her powers is just incredible. Just from a strictly performance standpoint, none better. Um, But I end up going with this match number two because for 40 minutes – they they do things in that ring that everybody else in the world was doing, but they do it that much better. Like there is nothing in this match. Do you want them to work the mat? They work the mat and trade holds. You want them to trade strikes? They trade strikes. You want them to take to the air? They'll take to the air. You want the high impact moves? They got the high impact moves and they go back and forth. They play off each other very well. There's this great moment where after Masami is just like, hey, trying to strike with Jagusa Nagayo, which is probably not the best idea, she finally punches her way through and knocks her down, which is like an oh shit moment 30 minutes into the match. Um, There's these great parts where Chigusa shows she's just a better technical wrestler, where if she can't get a vertical suplex, she's like, screw you, I'll do a butterfly suplex instead. Like There are these great little moments these choices that are made in the match that are um, uh, just, just, just really well done. Um, there's that great moment where devil goes to get her short, her, uh, her sheath to the sword <laughs> and like threatens to use it. But she's like, I'm not a, I'm not like dump. I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, and then of course the finish, which uh, of course plays into a very famous finish eight years after the fact um, but, uh, and those two wrestle on that show, uh, <laughs> which is even just crazier. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just a complete work of art, just as much as you want anything in a professional wrestling match, this match has it and, um, just done so well. The crowd is insane. The atmosphere is, is, has not been really duplicated, and um, and considering this was the big ascendant show for the Crush Gals, the first two show, you know, shots at the big singles titles, um, they you really couldn't have done better. Uh, but like I said, Jaguar Yokota in that title match, a virtuoso performance, 
Um, she does things in that match in the first five minutes, even where I'm just like, "What the fuck? This is a woman in 
Okay, so let's 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 talk. Let's just talk about Kendori getting her revenge because it's this match is yeah insane. that match. Um, so <laughs> no, it's it's violent. Like so, it's everybody talks about like the violence in the match. We'll talk about later. Obviously, is 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 otherworldly, but like there is just like Kendori from moment one is just like there's I am not losing this match. I, there's no way I'm losing this match, and I'm gonna make Hokuto pay for what she did to me at Dream yeah, Slam. And, Hokuto, and it's like she had this plan, and it got executed. And Hokuto perfectly. wrestles this with one arm because of the before mentioned yes. match. Um, oh my god! I was watching this uh, on our uh, Joshi chronological watches every Sunday at three Eastern, and like all of us were watching this with this our Melissa gap. Like, how is no one like talking about like this is insane what what the fuck is going on and uh yeah so uh, hokuto is wrestling with one arm but is still the super badass kandori is just mm-hmm. out to fucking kill everyone aja kong like let's not forget about her this might be her best performance ever she is just out to kill and like because it's interpromotional and plus she's trying to protect hokuto and it's a damn shame that um, Kong Kandori never happened. Uh, and Eagle Supply, yeah. like, she's awesome here. <laughs> she's, a, she's a force of nature here. Like, what the fuck? Um, some of the... Sp- <laughs> she is not considered awesome, but this is definitely, like, by far her best yeah. performance. Like, it's it's not even close. Oh my God. So uh, There's so many, just so many dramatic moments. Um, Kandori's, like, literally, like, just ripping Hokuto's arm off while taunting Kong. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. This is. And then like sicking Eagle on yeah. Kong. Like just, just. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's dastardly. Uh, like she just. Kong, oh Kong man. No, big, it is. Uh, dives. Uh, Hokuto yeah. is the greatest wrestler that's ever lived. And this is a, an amazing performance by her as well. As just like, yeah, like it's amazing. This is a match where a rematch from a match, like not a rematch, but like a continuation from a match a week before where she had her arm destroyed. And mm-hmm. she basically, instead of like, like selling the arm, like some people would, it's more like I'm going to fight with my other arm and <laughs> just not use my other arm, but like sell it like you can, but not like, woe is me like this isn't kobashi selling this is like a badass who's injured selling oh man this match right. is a fucking marvel i love it yeah no she this is this is like a it's 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 almost like it's like she really only knows one way to do things yeah. hokuto and she's not going to be told otherwise i watched a match where she yeah. jumped off the top rope, her leg hit the guardrail, you see the bone stick out. She grabs some tape, tapes it up, stomps around, mm-hmm. and the promoter has to stop it. And she's like, fuck you, I yep. want to continue. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she's one of the toughest people in the history of, of the of the sport. Now so. she's like the nicest, nicest sweetest, like, has a mm-hmm. channel and dog channel. Cancer survivor, what good a, for her. What a person. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. This what one. a person. So, Ugh. all right.
That's a good one. No, no. But we're getting there. All right. So 25 through 21 for me. Don't think you have this on your list, but I've always considered it in high regard. June 12, 1986, Tatsumi Fujinami versus Akira Maeda uh, from New Japan. 24, also from New Japan. You, you have to have this higher. You have to have this higher. September 23rd, 1981, oh, yeah. Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant. Okay, good. Thank you. Number 23, the second of the trilogy to fall this far. It was at eight last time. It's at 23 this time. Russ Ward, 89, May 7th, 1989, Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair. Number 22. Raising up five spots, December 3rd, 1983, Sergeant Slaughter, Don Kernodal versus Jay Youngblood, Ricky Steamboat, Final Conflict. Wow, we have so little and, overlap on our matches. <laughs> and now number 21, I'm interested to hear if you have this higher. June 5th, 1989, Kenichiro Tenryu versus Jumbo Saruta for the Triple Crown. That one dropped with the I don't remember it um, category. Okay. And I didn't rewatch it. So. All right. Uh, nothing against it. Uh, just that uh, final conflict. I don't think I've ever actually watched. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. And Fujinami might. It, it became kind of. Watched. It became all the rage. It's also another great um, Sergeant Slaughter blow off match which has become like just this incredible, incredible run of, uh, uh, for him in three years, you have the, 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 uh, Pat Patterson match, you have this match, and then you also have the, uh, Iron Sheik match. So this is Slaughter's last run yeah, in the territory. So let's do it. Right. So he and Kernodal brutalized Jay Youngblood brutalized Jay Youngblood. Um, Steamboat and Youngblood uh, had just faced the Briscoes at Starcade 83, previous to this, I want to say. Or this might have been... No, no, they faced him in 84, sorry. Um, but this match, so it's in a steel cage, and it's strange because this happens on December 3rd, 1983, right? And so this is like Nine, ten days after Starcade. So this is this is it's it's really strange that th- that this happens. Uh, uh, this or, is a or couple is months before, three? and this is the match. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do I have my do I have do I have the English date back? Hold on. Hold on. No, hold on. I, hold I think on. it's. I think I messed this up. Is it March? Oh, it is. It's March 12th, not December yeah. 3rd. My apologies. No, it's fine. And this is actually – it's a good point, like, linking it to Starcade because this was the prototype yeah. for Starcade. This is what they said. Yeah. This was. No, you're, you're correct. So so this basically um, – so Slaughter, you know, Steamboat and, and Youngblood are, like, the best, you know, babyface tag team, all that stuff. Um so they they run this show at the Greensboro Coliseum, and they actually have an overflow. They have to. It's this is a five. I think they like three to five thousand people um, get turned away, yeah. right? Because <laughs> because they they build this thing up. Um, 
but like but the but this is a this is essentially like you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty classic stuff right they absolutely have been uh you know just being you know i I should say that the, the 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 heel tag team here has just been absolutely uh, going crazy, just crushing Steamboat and Youngblood for several weeks, right? Um, and I can't remember what the sh- what is the shirt. I need to find a picture. Don Kernodal, Final Conflict. Because there's a sh- what's I can't remember what the the shirts were, but there was shirts that got made up for this, and I can't remember what they said. Um, but that was back in the day where you know you had the I broke broke Wahoo's leg type. It was one of those style shirts, right? Pride I can't remember Carolinas? now. No, that wasn't it. It's something else. I'm looking it up too. I'm trying to look it up here, but, um, but like, but you're right. Like this, this match basically gave them the idea for, uh, for Starcade months later. Um, but like it, the, the match itself is this, it's like 30, Five minutes long, like it is a war. It is an absolute war, um, and it basically, you know, Kernodal and Slaughter just just absolutely crush Steamboat and Youngblood for the majority of this match, and then of course, you know, the baby faces get their big comeback and and they get the big, you know, Steamboat does his big dive <laughs> off the top of the cage, um, you know, so. Uh, but then, you know, Slaughter decides to go up to the top of the cage. <laughs> if you can yeah, remember yeah. that. Like, Slaughter decides to go up to the top of the cage. Um, and then after, you know, he misses his big shot. They're trying to do the Slaughter cannon to finish, which was their big double team maneuver. Um, and they load it up with the foreign object. Um, but then... You know, they hit Youngblood with it. He tries to put Kernodal on top, but as Kernodal is on top, Steamboat sneaks in behind both the ref and Slaughter's back. It was Slaughter thinking, of course, that this thing is done. And with his back turned, the ref counts three and and they win the titles. Um, But, you know, Steamboat comes off really big in this match. He comes off as a major attraction in this match even though they they win the titles like they did. And, you know, he starts to become a star in his own, right? This is, I think, the last time Slaughter's in the territory before the, before he heads up north. Um, but this is a match that, like, it, you know, and I wish I remembered more of it because I'm, I'm kind of blanking on the spot here. I probably should have picked a different match. Uh, but the, the match itself was this real classic fair of of a, a babyface team getting terrorized by the by heel championship team for months and coming out on top, you know, and Steamboat making a big comeback to lead into this match. And so um, Steamboat eventually helping the title switch happen while Youngblood gets the pin is is another great perfect way of of of, of putting a, a bow on this. But, um, you know, it's it's a tremendous uh you know, piece of work from a storytelling standpoint. It's the match itself is great, but I think it's the totality of it all, the spectacle of it all that really kind of puts it over the top. 
And um, it's a match that I probably should have revisited again, you know, much sooner because I had it high on my list. Like when I had it on my list before, it was at what did I have it at last time. I had it at oh, so it went up a little bit. Yeah, so it was at 27. It's at 22 this time. But when it was fresh in my mind, putting on my list last time, there were a few tag matches I put ahead of it because the totality of it, the drama of it, the, the you know, just the uh, the back and forth of it. Slaughter deciding to try and go off the top of the cage when you think it's going to be the baby faces who do it, all this stuff. So it's it's a match that I think probably in some eyes is is not if you're looking at it strictly from a match standpoint, it's not the perfect match, but I think everything else around this match is what puts it in the stratosphere for me, because um, like you said, it's like, it is the match that then became the impetus to try and do Starcade because you had a turnaround crowd. That's when they put it on closed circuit so that you can watch it in the theater. If you couldn't get into the show, all that stuff. And so it was a true turning point for the NWA and during their hottest time. So, and I rambled on, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I've definitely seen clips of it because it's that famous of a match, for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So. Twenty through sixteen. I I wonder if we're gonna I wonder if we're gonna have any uh, same spots matches finally because like every yeah. one of these matches I can Probably. see on your list and only one of them you've mentioned so far. So um, this is, this All is right. interesting. So number twenty is the. Uh, the Kong Nakano cage match from uh, 11-14-90. Okay. So that's not on my list, but it was close. And you have it high. Yep. Okay. okay. So there's 20. Uh, number 19 is um, one of the one of the great performances of Jaguar Yukudo in a, a bloody violent match from uh, February 27th, 85 versus La Galactica. Oh God! I'm so glad that match made your list. I really like that match too. I, I, yeah, I like the '83 match match where Yokota loses yeah, her hair, which is great too. But that '85 match is is, yeah. is great. Yeah, Yokota finally getting her revenge essentially on Galactica. Yeah, uh, number 18 um, from January 28th, 2007, John Cena versus Umaga in the Last Man Standing. Oh another match that that's that is a miss on me i totally forgot to put that on my list that is that right there is i will take an l there i should have that on my list somewhere so that's okay Uh, all right 17 is a match you had 68 uh it's the 81st anniversary show of cml atlanta's first ultimo guerrero mass first match Mm mm-hmm and that's yeah. the last nine and three quarter star match on my list. <laughs> At number sixteen, I have a match that you will have higher. I'm saying this right now, and I okay. is the last match that's not rated ten stars, and I have it rated at nine point nine nine. Okay. It's uh, six nine ninety five. Okay. Yeah. So I have that. Uh, I have that higher for sure, but not. Not as high as, as you time. think. So. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's coming up, but it's it's going to come up sooner than you think. So. Uh, hmm. 
So what are the what are the matches that we can talk uh, about here? It's La Galactica and Jaguar. Yeah, uh, Cena, Umaga, Kong, Ultimate Guerrero. Let's okay. Let's talk about Ultimate Guerrero Atlantis. We both have another Atlantis yes. match higher. Atlantis, but, the king um, of the mask. First mask match. Yeah, there's. Yeah, man, just so dramatic. This match is yeah. Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, this is his. This is his performance. Like this is him as his last hurrah before he lost his mask. You know, he comes out to this mm-hmm. great entrance with a you know these, yes. these dancers, and he's got this giant um, um, Latino like uh, headdress. Uh, and it's, it's just, it, it's a beautiful thing to start. And he's raising the roof because he's Ultimo Guerrero. <laughs> and it's lovely. And the crowd, like, these are two people that they just love and they don't want to lose their mask. And mm-hmm. uh, Ultimo Guerrero, you know, he fights as violently as possible. But Atlantis is basically Undertaker at WrestleMania, where he doesn't, he's not going to lose his mask because he, he's so, he's so iconic in these matches. And this is just, uh, this is just every near fall is like so dramatic, and it's even more dramatic because of the stipulations. Um, and uh, there's there's so many great spots. I think like Ultimo Guerrero gets like a, a steep roll up, like to get one of the early falls, and Atlantis has mm-hmm. to fight back uh, from there, and uh, it just gets to a beautiful fitting stretch where Atlantis uh, uh, gets the win. I believe he counters yeah. uh, one Alta Guerrero's moves, um, so like not a, like a super definitive win, which is absolutely perfect for this type of situation. Um, just amazing drama. Yeah, it was kind of by the skin yeah, of his teeth yeah. in a lot of ways. Like it was very like it wasn't controversial, but like the way it finished. So the one thing I remember when this match happened that a lot of people thought was that Guerrero probably. Like in the way the match was presented, Guerrero probably should have won the match. Probably should have won the match. Um, but like Atlantis can't when like he can't lose the match. You know that's that's kind of the point of it, right? Um, but there were definitely parts, especially in the in the final fall, where you're just like ultimately he should have won. Like the way, it's not but, so uh, dramatic, but, you know, because like it feels like Guerrero should win, but when Atlantis kicks out. And it doesn't. It, it's not like a, a Regis. It's it's just like, right. wow, what a fucking yep. moment right there. Absolutely. So, but yeah, tre- a tremendous match. Um, I I had that at sixty four. I had already mentioned, of course, the one with uh, La Sombra. Yeah, that's great too. Um, that that that's a great match as well. But um, but yeah, this one, that's it's great. And it's probably the last true. I mean, a lot of people like the Sombra match, but like the way that people probably are used to kind of the bloodless Mascara, you know, Apuestas masses, like that's probably the last true Apuestas match, you know, of that style. Because the Sombra one's a completely different animal. That is like the most spectacular the Sombra performance and all ever. All the great masks you know. now are like bloody. <laughs> so they're completely mm-hmm. different. Which isn't no, a bad, bad thing. thing. I'm fine with that. Oh, so. Definitely different. Okay. So, all right. So, 20. The aforementioned hair versus hair match. 
Stump Matsumoto versus Chikusa Nagayo from August 28, 1985. Uh, number 19, the aforementioned Wrestle War 90. Or sorry, no, no, sorry. The aforementioned Clash of Champions tag match between the Enforcers and Dustin Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat. Like the biggest gap between matches that we both had on our list. Yeah. Uh, that are both on the same list. They're both on the list. Um, number 18, the aforementioned uh, 2004 No Way Out, Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero match. Number number 17, Ju- January 20th, 1997, Triple Crown, Kento Kobashi, Mitsuhara Misawa. Number 16, June 8th, 1990, Jumbo Saruda, Mitsuharu Misawa. Okay, wow. Okay. That was, like, hard to keep up with. That's, like, so many fucking great matches in a row. Um, yeah. Uh, and, weirdly, all matches I had. It's, like, the first... Uh, Isn't that, that's <laughs> nuts, man. So I think that's a five for yeah, five right like there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, man... What do you want to talk about in this group? Because we have both of them. Oh, God. All right. Well, we've already had one Dump Matsumoto horror <laughs> show. True. Um, we've uh, let's 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 talk about the enforcers tag okay. because I'm seven when this happens, and and Ricky Steamboat coming out in the Dragon's Mask and the reveal and the pop. And Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco losing their shit, <laughs> yes. and Arn Anderson saying, "Oh God, not Rick Steamboat," um, and then them going on and putting on a 15-minute just insane Southern tag about as perfect a match as you can have. Um, Zabisco stalling, Ricky Steamboat starting out as hot as you can be, you know, Anderson saying, "Just a man, he's just a man." <laughs> yeah. But that's Rick Steamboat, you know. Dustin Rhodes, a great hot tag. Um, a great miscommunication finish that becomes the kind of the seeds to be planted for the uh, dangerous alliance to come, you know. Uh, just overall, just a match that from start to finish is one of the great pieces of pro wrestling ever put on tape. Um, in a style that's unassailable with four all-time workers in a match that just everybody is at their best. Everybody's doing their best things at their best. And uh, you even get the, the happy ending with, uh, with Steamboat hitting the crossbody to win it. So um, just a tremendous piece of pro wrestling. I've talked about it ad nauseum on multiple shows at this point, but uh, – about as perfect, a, a, especially on TV, like yeah. about as perfect a thing you can do in a TV oh, setting yeah. in a pro and wrestling match. Yeah, all the um, the reactions from people not inside the ring when they're not like on the apron uh, with Art and Larry are just yeah. brilliant. And um, they do the great strategy of like isolating Dustin and keeping Ricky on the apron, mm-hmm. which is very clever of them, which uh, I love too. Right. Um, yeah, an all time great tag match for sure. Oh, man. We're into our final five-match stretch, and I'm looking at my list, Before and, like, I feel so bad not flipping my 10 and 11 match right now. 
I'm, I'm like looking at it like, oh, you're an idiot. I I did mine. I did mine right before for um for for uh dramatic stakes, but we'll I, see I what happens. Like, I feel like what a wimp for for making such a gutless decision between my ten and eleven. But that's um, okay. Let's let's <laughs> let's get to it. All right, number fifteen. Uh, this is the career ending match from WrestleMania seven between Randy Savage and Ultimate yeah. Warrior. The so this is this is the match that I feel worse uh, for not having on my list. It's a match that like I it's think at the state stage it's for sports entertainment. Yeah, but I think just for me, as time has gone on, I, I don't appreciate as much as I appreciate other rest pieces of wrestling. However, I will say this. That is a match that if anybody wanted to put it on right now, I would absolutely <laughs> watch with them because it's just it's as, it's as engrossing a piece of pro wrestling there's yeah. ever been. What so, can I say? Um, just to note, every match here I've rated 10 and um, yeah, every match from here on out is 10 stars for me. Uh, okay. Number 14, um, this is the, uh, I think, much alluded to Dream Rush, Dynamite Kanze, Naomi Osaka versus Toyota and Yamada match. I have that higher. Uh, next up, a match you had at number 38 is the Iron Sheik and Sergeant mm-hmm. Slaughter in the boot camp. Hell yes. Okay. Uh, number 12, this is a submission match from WrestleMania 13 between... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I only wanted one of those matches on my list, and I thought I picked one. the right one, but I... Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll all right. give you the A, okay on that. Uh, and this all is right. my number 11, which was a gutless decision, as it should have been in the top 10. Uh, this is from Stardom, June 14th, 2015, Kari Hashu versus Miko Okay, so yeah, the 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 the, the Kyrie Hojo coming out party. The so can we talk about this because this is this like the match that makes Kyrie Hojo. This is this is Mako. So this is so this match didn't make my list. I love the match. I think it's great. But you know because when it came out, this was like people who didn't watch Joshi's like you need to watch this match. This is perfection. This is. It is Meiko Satomura doing the best thing that she does, which is be the ace, but also putting somebody over in a way that very few wrestlers have ever done ever. And she is the best at this. Let's make no mistake about it. This style of match, she is the best to ever do it at bar none. Nobody better. Nobody. Nobody better. No. Um, at um, Kari Hojo, nobody better at being a scrappy babyface fighting for their yep. life to survive a match. Yeah. Mako kills her in this but match. But Hojo holds on for dear life and tries to fight back with every ounce of her life mm-hmm. throughout. And yep. this is a thirty-minute draw. That feels like it's 12 minutes. Like, it's yeah. this match. Uh, this is the middle match of a trilogy. Um, uh, mm-hmm. This is the best of that. Uh, but, uh, and Kari Hojo, she, she, she might have been the champion of stardom at this point, but she was like, 
she wanted a fluke, and she she ever because she has yeah she has the move yeah which is a great yeah. wrestling trope right you have the move it when she had I was like oh no can I keep up can I hold on and the title here is the outsider know? Miko Satamura coming in and just fucking destroying her she has a DVD on the top of the stage she and Hojo um uh, someone when I made them watch this they're like this is like a snuff film <laughs> like yeah. no Mako kills her Mako uh, Hojo um, is so great. But she, but her, her fighting back, like Mako's like defiant, like she's defiant, but Mako's yeah. like, no, no. Yeah, Mako is I've so good. She's just like, well, you know, she's, she's like kind of cocky. And this is, and she doesn't really yeah. lose her cockiness until the 30 minute bell rings. And she's like, wait, what the fuck? I didn't win? Like, how is that possible? Yeah, like I didn't yeah. win. Right. And then that plays into the final of the trilogy when Hojo actually, you know, finally yeah. gets the win, but he like. Her for the title. <laughs> oh no, that's right. No, sorry. I, I, I didn't like that. Yeah, which uh, which is amazing because she could she couldn't hang, <laughs> which is so good. No, but like, but yeah, Mako being upset that she couldn't win um, was was a great twist on this. Okay. So, um, but no, like, but like, yeah, Kyrie fighting back and Mako doing the like, I've been invading, I've been invading promotions for over a decade. What makes you think that you're any different? <laughs> Um. Yeah. No. That's why I say she's the best ever. There's no better invading ace than than her. I know a lot of people think Minoru Suzuki is is great at this, but she is the absolute best. Whenever she arrives, like shit gets real. It just everything gets amped up. You know. That's what made her so great in the May Young Classic, right? Um. Was like. They knew that once she showed up, this was it was something different. Everybody had to come up a level, you know. And so, um, but yeah, this is this is Hojo getting her ass kicked for thirty minutes, and her surviving is a win. It's pretty amazing. It's the most dramatic, so. amazing baby play selling ever. Um, Love okay. it. Okay, let's do. This. All right, fifteen through eleven. July 23rd, 1989, Great American Bash, Ric Flair versus Terry Funk for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Great match. Number 14, December 3rd, 1993, Real World Tag League, the final, Toshiaki Kawada, Akiritawe versus Mitsuhara Misawa, Kento Kobashi. Okay. I don't have these. <laughs> number, thir- number 13, you have higher than me. And that's um, I'm so happy it's in your top ten. But this is March 17, 2000, Viano three versus Atlantis for Mascara Mascara number twelve. This is the final of the three Ric Flair Steamboat matches. I have Shy Town Rumble here at twelve. The one people like to pick. Yep, and then number eleven. The aforementioned July 29th, 1993, Stan Hansen versus Kenta Kobashi. I'm just like skimming my list. And I'm like, oh, this is, that means this is in your top 10. That's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, man, any of these would be fun. Uh, do Flare Funk because that's a that's a that's a fun favorite to talk. So. About. This has become one of my favorite all-time matches. Yes, Flair's an, an ass and all that stuff. But, like, look, so everybody knows this, the situation going in. If you listen to this podcast, you've seen this match. But, like, the little things in this match are what just send me over the top with it. 
um, you know, Funk's thinking that he can just go right at Flair and then Flair just chopping him to death. Funk putting on one of the great selling stooging performances of all time, falling out of the ropes weird, you know, running into tables like the branding iron to break up the figure four, um, you know, just and just the violence. They just unload on each other. Funk just punching Flair right in the jaw and Flair not budging. Um, Flair being absolutely nasty. Uh, trying to break Funk's <laughs> neck, like after what Funk tried to do to him, and Funk going right back to the neck when he knows that he has no other choice but to go to the neck, you know, because Flair is out to kill him, you know, like it's short, it's violent, it is incredibly engrossing, and then the post match is the best post match of all time. Muda rolls right in <laughs> right after Flair wins with the small package missed him and then sting comes out and backs up flair and they brawl all throughout the arena there's the great interview at the end where flair calls out um funk and muda and he's got half his face covered in blood half his face covered in mist <laughs> yeah um uh and it's just like as a video package it's just one of the great and the end pieces ever man uh with the entrances too, i mean i know we don't too. think the entrances are great. Yeah. F- um, funk coming out to um, fucking Ennio Marconi, man. Just like, oh, God. Um, just a complete spectacle. Um, and yeah, Flair, you know, like I said, Flair and Asshole, yes. But that match is just brutal. It is intense. It is emotional. It is engrossing. Um, it's a, one of my all time favorite funk performances. And he just absolutely is a freaking evil human being <laughs> in this match. And it's all the better for it. So, um, so, so, so there, there it is. So now Steven, we have arrived, uh, in the top 10, I will say, like you said, so there now we know for sure, because you have said this, that three of the matches you have mentioned previously, I have in my top 10. However, if I am correct in guessing, there is a fourth match that neither of us have mentioned, neither of us had on our list last time, that I think is also in our there top ten. There is one match in my top ten that I didn't mention last time. That is the same thing with me, and I think it's the same I match. I wonder if it is. That's cool. Okay. So you get to go, number Let's 10. take a quick break. All right. Love, suicide, you and I drove for miles. No one be here, be here, be here with you. No one be here, be here, be here with you. All right, we're back, and it's time for our top 10. This is number 10 is a gutless match. that should have been number 11, but is an all time great match. Um, the greatest opener to any show of all time. Yeah. Recently which I watched this, Brett Noah, it, which I already mentioned. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's so I mean, good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I don't blame you. Um, did you not have this higher last time? I actually had it 12th last time. You had this what last time? 12th. Okay, so pretty much sim- similar spot. Okay, yeah. got it. And it's it's really such a masterclass of uh, Bret Hart working um, from on top, mm-hmm. but in kind of a grudge feud, a, in a in a grudge feud where he doesn't have a grudge, right? <laughs> Which is a unique concept in wrestling, where mm-hmm. one person has like a massive grudge, and the other person is just like, well, my heart is not in it because you're my brother, <laughs> right? And Owen is cheating, and he's like ramming him balls first into the ring post. I'm about to say he's not overtly cheating. But he's cutting corners. He's cutting corners because he, he wants is, to show up his brother. Yes. And he is. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say um, probably the most famous one is uh, is the boot to the face. Right. Yeah. From the overhead shot where yeah, where cool. Brett points at him, which is like just like Bowen's going to do what he can to get under his skin. And that's kind of the first big the first big thing he does. Yeah. There's, there's a really so. cool spot, too. It's a very small moment, but I really love this moment where, like, Owen, like, hip-tosses Brett and kind of, like, wins that little bit of a struggle. And Brett's mm-hmm. on his ass. And you hear someone from the crowd yell out, let's go, Owen! And Brett mm-hmm. just gives him the biggest stink eye. <laughs> yeah, it's like, are you serious about that? He's yeah. like, what the fuck? Come yeah. on. This, this, this match is about the details. Yes. It is about the meta story it is about the subtleties and, right yeah and yeah. It's, it's very good if you listen if you read Brett's book he talks about how um they had been you know doing some matches on house shows right and uh the thing about those matches is owen was getting over as a baby face because he's such a spectacular wrestler so they kind of like redid this match at the last minute and like took out a lot of the owen um, high spots so that mm-hmm. Owen didn't get over as a baby face. And like, that's the attention to details that uh, a wrestler like Bret Hart will bring <laughs> to matches yeah. because like, Oh, th- this match just builds so well to Owen getting, you know, the shock pin with a victory, like countering a victory role of all things. Um, a, mat- a move Bret had used to uh, win a variety of matches. Uh, in the WWF and um, yeah, Owen gets the shock win. Brett loses on a night where he goes on later to win the world title um, mm-hmm. in, a, in great storytelling there. Um, but yeah, this match just builds well. Uh, well, this builds unbelievable. Um, and everything is so, so attention to detail. Like you said, yeah, this match mm-hmm. and you had it at 58. It's about the little things, yeah. not the big things, for sure. So, Great, great stuff. Okay, what's your number 10? Uh, so, um, my number 10 is a match you probably have higher than. It is September 23rd, 1983, Sangre Chicano versus MS1. I have that number 9. Okay, so we'll both talk about it then. Yeah. It. So, yeah, um, this match, when it start started uh hitting the hit making the rounds uh it hit everybody like a thunderbolt like this match is by far 
like when in the in people talk about great baby face performances, I don't think there's a better baby face performance maybe ever than Sangu Chikano in this match. I just I don't. I the first fall where MS1 jumps his ass and takes <laughs> it from him and bloodies him up and he rolls out and and he's like the fans are like trying to get him back into it and he's being tended to. I can't tell if that's like a nurse or like whoever that was that was tending to him on the outside. And then he just he's he just can't do it. He's not he's not about to lose his hair. And um but the begin like the finish uh is one of the most like it's one of the, the the most beautiful things ever. It's like this this moment that just it's like you don't have to like. And I know that people had been able to I think watch some of the lead up. I never watched any of the lead up. I just watched the match. Um, yeah. But like there is the the ending is so amazingly satisfying um, that I I really I I really can't put into words to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it's just. From start to finish, one of the great babyface performances, if not the best babyface performance ever. And um, people have this as the number one match of all time, and I would not argue with them for a second if they did. Uh, just an incredible, incredible piece of pro wrestling. Yeah, I had it number five, and it didn't last time. Uh, I had number nine this time, uh, and it didn't fall because it's not a great match. It's just other matches yeah. I have either learn to love more or um, other situations like that. But fuck, yes, this is, this is yeah. the, the bloody hair versus hair match to end all bloody hair versus hair Yeah, no, this blood buckets, buckets. Yes. There's actually Bucket. quite a bit of blood in my top ten. Um, yeah, good. That's what should. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah. now I'm interested because I thought that that was a match that because of I didn't. I didn't know that you had put it up that high because, um, and now I'm wondering what your non-match from last time is in your top ten. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It, okay. Okay. Uh, what's your now, number nine? Because that was now I get number. to go to number nine. So you must have this higher then. Um, March. Oh no, you haven't gotten to this yet because you're doing it chronologically. Oh boy. <laughs> so March twenty seventh, nineteen ninety four. It's Wrestling Queendom 2, Aja Kong and Bull Nakano versus Shinobu Kandori and Akira Hokuto. Yeah, so when I get to this match, I predict this will be my number one match. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's so obviously the backstory of it was these four were going to headline the show and people wanted to see there was a vote held. And I guess the team that people wanted to see the most was Hokuto and Kandori. And so <laughs> what us this. Sorry. Sorry. You'll forget about it by the time you watch it. Um, But okay, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I will just say this from a macro standpoint. There's been really no better storytelling in AJW from from that perspective for a match like this uh, at all. Like there's a culmination of a year long story plus between Okudo and Kandori. And of course it's them teaming with each other. It's not having the blow off. It's not having whatever it is. It's them teaming with each other. And Hokudo is 
you know, has already announced, hey, I'm retiring at, you know, I'm on my retirement road. This is my first show to do that. Right. Uh, and against Bull Nakano and Aja Kong, former teammates. And uh, Bull and Kong are like the lost, like they're the greatest, they might be the greatest tag team of all time. They, it's an insane pace. Like Kong just outright destroys Hokuto in this match. So that's the part, right? It's like they play this story out well where it's like Hokuto, it's like I've, I, I could take these two. I've beaten Bull before. I've stood toe-to-toe with Aja before. I teamed with her. Like I know what's going on. We won the tag league together. Like we know these things, right? But against the two of them together <laughs> – <laughs> can't really do that and so the story then becomes especially once it starts you know going to the outside and kong and 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 bull just start crushing hokuto there's this great moment where hokuto and kendori get left for dead on the outside and then you know they're going back and kendori's like hey you got to use me like you need me. We need to do this. Like kids, the whole thing is Kendori does not like Hokuto, but it's like I'm not losing this match, right? That's her mindset. Whereas Hokuto is like prideful in doing what she normally does. And then <laughs> she is the worst cave fabe. She is the worst tag partner in the history of wrestling. <laughs> yes, right. I watched a match but, where she beat up her tag partner with a fucking yeah. cane the entire time. Yeah. She's the um, worst. I will say, all I'm going to say about the tags in this match, Steven, is that you're going to really like the tags that Hokuto and, and, and Kendori have between each other in this match. This it's is gonna the be one the, match that, like, um, I put this best. on my Desert Island comp because yeah. I haven't seen it, but, like, yeah. Yeah. I've been watching everything up to it, and yeah. I'm fucking so excited. Yeah, no, so this, so this, this will be fun. Like, you're, I can't wait to hear what you think about it when we get there. So, uh, I'll make sure. Um, and uh, you know, what's awesome yeah. is everyone can join me while I watch that match the first time. Yes, I, I will actually be there when when you do that. I will make time to see that match with you because I think you're going to you're going to think it's just breathtaking. So. All right, your number eight. My number eight is a match you have not mentioned yet. Um, it's from uh, AAA's When Worlds Collide. It's Eddie Guerrero Love Machine versus El Hijo Dos Santos. Didn't make Aquaman. my list. I thought about that match, and it didn't make my list. And it was just, oh man! But it, that's a great match. So look, looking forward to you talking about it. Talk about fucking drama. So if you haven't yeah. seen. Um, this is double mask versus double hair. Uh, El Hilo Del Santo, the most famous, the wrestler, the son of the most famous wrestler of all time, and might be one of the most famous wrestlers of all time himself. And and at this point, already has a history of winning these matches. Yeah. And so his mask is on the line. And the way these tag, tag matches work, it's two out of three falls. And to win a fall, you have to pin both people on both both partners mm-hmm. so there literally gets a point um, so love machine and eddie Guerrero, they uh you know they're they're like they're like basically doing the biggest heel version of pro-americans ever in mexico which yeah. you can imagine gets over pretty well <laughs> yep especially that this show is in la the show is in la and it's still like oh man it's still that big a heat um right. and yeah so they, they win the first fall 
We're in the second fall, and Alhilo Del Santo gets pinned, leaving Eddie Guerrero Love Machine all alone with Octagon. And if Octagon doesn't beat these two himself, Al San- yeah, Santo, Santo loses, loses the mask. mask. And I don't think there's a more dramatic moment in the history of wrestling, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And for that alone, I, I, I feel like it had to be really high. Um, but Octagon, obviously, he pulls it off. Um, they have a big dramatic third fall with like some insane moves. Like, yeah, Eddie <laughs> just empties the clip. He pulls out everything he can fucking think of. He does a hurricanrana off of Love Machine, like uh, on uh, one of them off Love Machine's shoulders, yeah. like a like a like a doomsday device, but with a hurricanrana. Yeah, he does the the blockbuster suplex off the top. Like he's <laughs> thinking of he just blown everything he can think of, man. Yeah, just and, empties. And, up. Yeah, exactly. And there's uh, um, also a story with uh, Blue Panther with who's feuding with Love Machine, who runs in and pile drives Love Machine mm-hmm. the referee's back. The Martinette, which yeah. is like which pops the crowd like a mother. <laughs> Oh leaving, man! Leaving Love Machine, leaving Eddie Guerrero all alone with um, Santo to end the match in a dramatic Santo pinning him, and then you know, uh, Santo, Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero have to lose their hair, but Love Machine's like asleep because he ended up his pile driven, and yeah. when he wakes up and realizes it, what a fucking great moment! Art Bar was the fucking man. Oh god. What? Just an all-time great, yeah. That that Martinette to end to get the second fall and get um, Santo back into the match was like an all-time like oh my god moment. That was oh just just great stuff. Absolutely great stuff, man. Oh, man. And oh, it's good a, pick. you know it's with Mike Tanay calling it yeah. <laughs> in English. He's so great. It's it's a lot He's more doing... accessible. It's a pay-per-view WCW put together with AAA. Yeah. How and weird is it that? Drew. Yeah, it drew well, too. It was a great show. So, All right. What's your number eight? You mentioned it earlier. This is Dream Rush. Okay. So, um, what a fucking one of the most match. <laughs> I, to this day, I still can't believe it. So no interaction between these two teams at all. Never even a singles match between anybody on either side. Nope. First time they're meeting with each other and they're given 40 minutes. <laughs> Two out of three falls. Um, and main event of the biggest show. Main like, event of the biggest City. show. Yokohama Maria. Like they, I like, just go out and do it. And they put together one of the single greatest performances you'll ever see. Um, it's definitely the best meeting between two teams or two people for the first time in the history of pro wrestling, nothing touches it. Um, yeah, it's just the first fall with, with Toyota and, and, and Yamada, like all of a sudden realizing it's like, Oh shit, we got to figure out a way out of this because they just stole the first fall from us. And then Yamada going crazy in the second fall. <laughs> with like seven backdrops suplexes to Kanzai and then finally hitting the, the reverse gory Guerrero special into the pin to finally even this up. Um, and then just a bomb fest of a third fall, it's, which, it's, which is, just yeah. Fun. yeah, you but have to see the, it to believe it. Like if you think, you know, dramatic, yeah. 
big move tag oh, break up is, pin match. No. You don't, no. unless you've seen this but, match, because this is on but, another level. But the best part of this match, as she is probably throughout the entire series, is Mayumi Ozaka. Because Ozaki uh, because what a breakout she, performance. Just Knowing she's in enemy territory, <laughs> knowing that she doesn't care, just doing everything she can to piss off the fans, piss off Yamada. You gets under Yamada's skin a couple times in this match, and it's just great. Um, but just truly one of those performances that um, – just makes her and and she is in the in the whole of the interpromotional feud. She's a great part of the Thunder Queen match that neither of us mentioned, but obviously is a great match. You'll get to that soon, Stephen. I have seen um, that in the past, but not in context. But you'll and you'll really of, like it with yeah. context. You're gonna really enjoy it with the context. Um, but yeah, Ozaki in this match is just she's on another level and. This is the best Toyota. This is my favorite Toyota is, is in these, these three matches. Um, especially in the third fall, it is exactly what you want it to be with her. Um, and it's the perfect setting for that. Um, I do think Yamada is fine. Kanzai is when she's on, she is a beast. She is tremendous. Um, but I, I think this is Ozaki's feud. And even though it is, Toyota, who gets the the deciding pinfall at the end, um, kind of just out of desperation, like I don't know what else to do. Here's a Japanese ocean suplex. Hopefully it works. Uh, huge bridge, and they get it finally. Uh, but just what a what a match! Just a unbelievable, just a tremendous piece of pro wrestling, man. And I know people who really hate um, too many finishing moves dramatic that type of match yeah and they were blown away about how great this match was so that's the last 15 minutes so once they get into the third fall i I just it has to be seen to be believed it just it has to be so uh all right so that's my eight what is your seven okay um this is the Magnum TA Tully Blanchard IQ cage match from Starcade 85. I have a little bit higher. We'll be talking about it soon. All right. What's your number seven? My number seven is June 9, 1995. Okay. Or June. Yeah. So where did you have it on your list? 16. For, uh, for I had, I had it 16, 16. Okay. So not much higher. Um, look, I mean, I mean, what, what can be said? Um, Kawada and Tawei decide to just, in the in the eyes of all Japan rules, throw the rule book out the window and make Kobashi's life a living hell. And then they put him out of his misery and then force Misawa to try and beat them both for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's great. Um, just just tremendous stuff. And then Tawei. Because of his, because of what he did two months earlier in the Champions Carnival against Misawa, it's like, if you want this so badly, I'm going to help you get it. And he does. And then he hands it over to Kawada, and Kawada finishes it off. Um, there, there, there's like 
I just four all time great moments in them. <laughs> no, there is. Yeah. Absolutely is, man. The the choke slam onto to, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> yes. the choke slam onto It's so great. But there's also um, a choke slam from the fucking apron to the yeah. floor, which is almost yeah. as great. It, like it, yeah. it's it's really yeah. uh, an unbelievable uh, yeah. tag match. It is. And that's what I mean by bending bending the rules, right? So you obviously have the the famous high kick, right? Yeah. Like, um, because the orbital bone that Masawa broke, it's still not completely healed, and and they decide to go full heels. Like, hey, this is our best shot. If we're gonna actually beat these guys, this is the only way we know how. And they're like, we're gonna take advantage of injuries, and it's not gonna look pretty, but I want this win, and Kawada gets it. It's just, it's fin. It's just, it is. One of those things that in the macro story, you're just like, I really wish that he can that he didn't win it that way. But in the idea of quote unquote heels in all Japan, this might as might as well have been the machine <laughs> and Eddie Guerrero actually beating Santo and Octagon. You know, there so. was there was also the great moment at the start where uh, Kawada gets whipped into the ropes, and instead of like running into the ropes and running off, he just kicks myself in the face yeah. off the apron. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's the high kick spot, you know? It's uh, okay. like That's what it's called. You know, it's yeah. just like um uh yeah, but but the the my but the spot I think is is my favorite is is the 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 apron notawa, like you said, yeah, the yeah. choke slam that puts Kobashi out and all of a sudden Kawada and Misawa's like then he's like hoping he can get a tag and Kobashi can't even get there for him. He just can't. You know? And then and then they and then he's covering up Masawa and then they just destroy him and finish him off. It's just it's beautiful. What can you say? Yeah, and, and maybe the best leg work of all time is choke slamming yeah. your partner into the leg. Yeah, that's 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 about as good as it gets there. Yeah. So, all right, all right, it's now number six for you. Okay, this is a match I didn't rate last time. This is a match I watched for the first time last year, and mm-hmm. I've proceeded to watch like six or seven times since then because I fell in love with it so much. And you haven't mentioned it, so I'm curious. I'm very curious. This is April 29th, 2001 from Gaia, Akira Hokuto versus Miko Satomura. Oh, uh, so that match did not make my list. Um, I don't think it is a bad so here's the thing i'll let you i'll let you talk about it i think it is a great match but i had trouble finding a miko match for this list i just did (laughs) i know you didn't but um i couldn't tell if it was this match but and so i went with the mercedes martinez match because you know but uh but yeah, so to talk about this match because it is—it's a very, very good match. Yeah, I, I've instantly fell in love with this match. Where yeah. uh, Miko is still pretty young at this point, and Kara Hokuto is at a point where she's a legend, but you know she's she's kind of broken down. But man, does she have a badass aura still at this point? Um, I think she starts the match by just fucking slapping. <laughs> in the face <laughs> right uh, yeah. she um, completely uh, just like starts to obliterate Miko but Miko keeps fighting back 
Uh, and then eventually Miko gets to work with the, on Hokuto's legs. She's just like beating the shit out of Hokuto's yeah. legs. It gets to the point where Miko has a submission on Hokuto and Hokuto's, uh, cornermen are running into the ring to try to stop the match. It's that fucking dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Hokuto gets back in. Uh, obviously Hokuto, uh, eventually, uh, recovers a little bit, but she's like doing this on one leg. Um, it's so bad. She's having trouble hitting the Northern Lights bomb because she's like, her leg is so broken up. Mm-hmm. And it eventually ends with a fucking Rocky two finish. Yep. <laughs> where, where Hokuto and Miko basically knock each other out and Hokuto can't make the 10 count. And Miko mm-hmm. can't. And I, I've watched this match. I just keep watching this match because every time I watch it, I'm like, this is fucking pro wrestling. I love this. Um, oh man, it's so many dramatic moments. Every near fall is insane. And plus, it's not that long. Like, it's not. No, it's like 18 minutes or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, it's like for a big dramatic match like this, it's pretty short. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Miko does like, she's probably had other coming out parties, but like, Against the, a legend like Hokuto, this was yeah. Well, else. the Kong matches, the Aja Kong matches yeah. in in '99 um, and 2000, I think were uh, especially at the time very much well received because she was a wonderkind, right? You have uh, a 17 year old pin Aja Kong in a tag match, <laughs> like like wait, what? Really? It's like she's that good, and so here she is. She's I think 19 or 20 against Hokuto here, and yeah, the finish is great. Um, you know, Hokuto's great at these styles finishes, right? We're going to obviously talk about a very famous one here coming up, but like um the finish is 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 very good. I love that finish. I think it's definitely the best part of the match. And I, yeah, I do love the idea of Satomura really not knowing what what else to do other than just try and take Hokuto's notoriously bad legs out from under her. And it's a a great way of of building to that. So and, yeah, really the moment where uh, Hokuto's corner man runs in and tries to stop the match. Well, mm-hmm. like Hokuto, the toughest person probably to ever live on Earth, is right. in a submission, and she, her corner person, is so concerned they want to stop the match. Yeah. Like that's a fucking moment that almost can't go unmatched. Yeah. We'll talk about some other matches they have. I have five yeah. more hired. Um, yeah. Well, I'll talk about my number six, which is a match you had at seven. So this is oh. Tolly Blanchard and Magnum TA. Like, look, like it's one of the most brutal matches in the history of professional wrestling. It is, it is like the is like the equivalent of a western, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. It is like this is this is Clint Eastwood, Magnum TA, trying to get revenge for what Tully did, something unthinkable, right? Trying to get revenge for that. And he will go to any lengths to do it. And he almost does. He almost takes a man's eye. Um, but this is brutal. It is succinct. It is efficient. It is nasty. It is emotional. It is pro wrestling condensed into 10 minutes that really just, it doesn't really get much better 
if you want to go bell to bell from something, I don't think you're going to find something better. You could know nothing about the two men coming into this match. Not not the backstory of what Tully did uh, to lead to this match. Um, and it will still draw you in and it'll make you feel like you, it, you'll never forget that match. And um, there's a reason why nearly 40 years after the fact that it's growing. It is becoming that much more of an iconic match because of what it stood for and what it stands for now as wrestling has become so much more homogenized. It stands out that much more. So um, it is it is one of the best things ever to happen in a professional wrestling ring, yeah. bar none. Magnum TA, a bloody mess. Um, yeah. After Tully tries to um, stab him with, after breaking a chair with a piece yeah. of, uh, basically a stake. And right. Magnum TA gets to the point of hatred in this feud that he picks up the yeah. stake and tries to take out Tully's eye, leading to a yeah. submission. Is yeah, yeah. That's 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 wrestling right there. Yeah, I best. I mean. And the and just how he walks out of the cage like he doesn't care that he just yeah. won the U.S. title. It wasn't he just title at all. He looks back and just he's like, he just he like that part is tells you so much more almost than even the ten minutes that preceded it, which is just incredible to think about. Just one look back. Yeah. I I just it still gives me chills. Like I just like just 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 insane totally writhing just like just absolutely just like pitiful on the mat and magnum just just stomps out of there like he just won like he didn't want to go that far but he will go that far i just just beautiful all right we are a fit Top five. Here we go. All right. This is a match you ranked at 24. Mm-hmm. It's uh, September 23rd, 1981. <laughs> Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen. Oh, a man. match that is basically Godzilla versus King Kong in the ring. No. These no. two monsters <laughs> just decide to fucking try to destroy each other. Um, and they have this, uh, they have this wild, uh, just like, the referee can't contain it brawl. Mm-hmm. And we get to the point where Andre is on the floor and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put on a Stan Hansen-esque elbow pad and I'm going to fucking lariat Stan yeah. Hansen. Yeah. And Hansen like, wait, what is that? Wait, what is that? What, <laughs> what is that? What is that? <laughs> Ref, and, check that. And the ref's like, I'm not going to check that. <laughs> I think I'm going to check that. And what happens is, Andre the Giant larrying the referee to death. <laughs> yep. And, and the match being thrown out. And, yeah, the and, match has to be thrown out every, because it's so violent. And, every, and everybody in the crowd being like, uh, we should run. Let's <laughs> let's leave. Yeah, it's almost unsafe to be in the arena when these two are in it against each other. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What goodness. a fucking yeah. match. Uh, yeah. Yes, everyone watch that. Everybody, please. Please do. So. So number All right. five. For me, you already mentioned this one. This is May 25th, 1992 for the All-Asia Tag Team titles for Crawford and Furnace, Can-Ams versus Kobashi and Kikoshi. Look, I mean, 
a rare show in Kikuchi's hometown, the ultimate underdog on the underdog team against a dominant tag team championship team that has just shown shows out like they are incredibly athletic. They kind of show offy, but they're also incredibly effective. Um, and it's the greatest in in the words like it is in the idea of a Southern tag. It is the greatest Southern tag match of all time. The Kobashi hot tag with Kaguchi playing the face in peril. Um, the place comes unglued. When Kikuchi is helping Kobashi get in position to try and win this match, and this thing is hitting a fevered pitch with the near falls down the stretch, man, I like you lean forward, you catch yourself leaning forward watching this match because you're just so engrossed with it. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's a match that I think has also grown in stature as years have gone on because. I don't think there's uh, in this style of tag team match. I just don't think there's anything better. Um, it, it wasn't that long ago where like a new fuller version was released as well. Yes. Right? And it added to it and it made it better, which people can believe. It's like, how could it be even better than it was? It's like, yeah, it's better. Yeah. It's insane. It is. And uh, I can't get over. I just can't get over the finishing stretch run where the Can-Ams look like they finally have one over on Kobashi and Kikuchi gets the big save crowd goes crazy. And then, and then the Can-Ams go for it and then, and, and then miss and Kobashi gets in position to hit the moonsault and the pop from that, from that win. It is like, everybody thinks about an all Japan crowd. That is nothing like an all Japan crowd. That is like, uh, that's freaking Greensboro Coliseum. That is, you know, Mid-South Coliseum, like that type of crowd. That's what that is. And uh, just an amazing piece of business. Amazing. So. All right. Number four. Okay, so this this is fascinating to me because I'm looking at my list. Um, one of my matches you haven't mentioned, but I know you've alluded to it, so it's going to be up. Mm-hmm. My other top match, the other matches in my top four, you all mentioned earlier. And I have nothing on my list that says that you that you have it higher. Okay. So it sounds like I'm only going to have one match from your top four on my list. So you're going to have, yes. No, you're going to have two. Okay, I must have miscounted something okay you're gonna have to you'll you'll when we get there you'll see it okay you're I, gonna I, have I probably to. missed something here yeah all right let's see so my number four i want you to look at that piece of paper you wrote down earlier and read me that number number four really i literally have it as number four <laughs> wow <Not even> lying. <laughs> oh my god well done well done wow. Tim. so yes Oh, my, my number four is from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, Bailey versus Sasha. A match that Tim correctly predicted at number that he had done number 46. He correctly predicted I would have at number four. I have no idea how it wasn't number four until like a day, like a week ago. Uh, it just kept moving up. Uh, yeah. So 
I'm oh. it went from 96 to 46 on my list. It went from 46 or no, sorry, it went from uh, 50 to four on my list. Yeah. So um, uh, this match yeah. is special. Um, this match changed my wrestling fandom forever. Um, this match made changed the WWE forever. Um, this match is Sasha Banks and Bailey basically proving that women's wrestling is not only on par with the men, but better and Mm -hmm. having one of the most dramatic matches in the history of the WWE in the history of wrestling, um, where it was NXT's biggest show up to that point. It was the first time I think they were outside of full sale and they're, they're in a big arena and Sasha and Bailey just fucking go out there and, have a classic um there's obviously great moments like i remember um bailey reaching for the ropes and sasha stomping her hand while she had her in Mm -hmm. the the bank statement um there's the the top rope super frankensteiner (laughs) that they yeah um this match is this match um yeah this is, I, I'm at a loss for words when it comes to this match, really. I love it, it so much. It's, it is a match. I, I guarantee you the next time we decide to do this, it will raise up higher. It is, um, as time passes, it is a match that only gets better and better because you now have five years of, of cushion, six years of cushion that show you that. There hasn't been a, really a single thing since then that has really made anybody feel that way, which is in itself, right? Something that everybody wants in pro wrestling is to have that type of moment that makes you feel like that and uh, was not manufactured. It was all organic. It was in the moment. They just knew that if they went out there and did what they wanted to do, they would get everything they wanted out of that match. And, uh, it, there's definitely times where it wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent on, there was some sloppiness, but when they had the big moments, they were, there was nothing bigger. NXT peaked there. Like it peaked there. Um, and it's pretty apparent that, um, Sasha Banks at 21 or 22 or whatever she was doing. Uh, I can't, I couldn't believe it. 23 i think it was uh yeah, she's she's on another level man i i'm amazed just amazed that it's still and like i said it's just going to keep getting better and better it's just that with time as it passes it'll get better and better so all right my number four yes. you mentioned it earlier this is wrestle war 92 oh, sing okay. squad I, I wrote that down. Okay. yeah no i mean look best war games of all time Everything you ever wanted in a war games, this is it to a T. You have the great start. You have the buzz, the the you know the bloody nose of Ricky Steamboat. You have the nastiness of the heels. You have um, you know Dustin and 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 Barry coming up big. You have Nikita Koloff, who because of his past, people think he's going to be the one to turn right, and he doesn't. Uh, he sticks with it. There's that big moment with Sting where people think that him and Nikita can't possibly get along, and they do. They make it through. Uh, and 
you have the blood, you have the great Arn Anderson spot where he gets put in between the ring because that's what Arn Anderson does. Uh, you have Zabisco kind of, unfortunately for him, <laughs> the weak link in every aspect from the very moment he's in, uh, all of a sudden showing it's like, a, he's the guy, there's something, there could be something wrong here. Um, yeah, the, I mean, just a complete masterpiece, a great payoff to the six months of the Dangerous Alliance so far. Um and sets up, you know, Sting and an up-and-coming babyface tag team in Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude going forward, you know? So, like, um, just a great interweaving of all these things and a match that just continues to, you know, it's such an in- incredible match. They tried to recreate it in NXT, and they fell on their faces <laughs> trying to do it. So, um, yeah, man, just uh, – it's there's very few things that haven't been said about this match, but uh, it's an all-time great hard stop. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the only war games I would put anywhere near that, like, well, uh, on that kind you, of level. You have the 94 one close to it. But the 94 one, too. The one and also the very consider. first one. The very first yeah, one. Yeah, the 87 one. Yeah, that's the one that I was also thinking about. But um, I have such a wide gap between those two, it's kind of hard. So. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. Number Top three, buddy. Three. What do you got? Number three. This is from uh, the 96 Survivor Series, Brett versus Austin. Uh, Matt, yeah. you at 55. This, to me, is um, the end of old school wrestling. Yeah. Um, there has never been a match like this again. Um, and it was a love letter to what wrestling was in the past. And it was kind of like the last love letter, sadly. Um, this match is Bret Hart returning after, you know, six or eight months off since WrestleMania, uh, where he, you know, he was considering retiring, considering going to movies. Um, not sure what he was going to do, but he came back and uh, kind of the story was Steve Austin was, you know, calling out Bret the entire time. And when Bret came back, <laughs> One of my favorite moments, Brett comes back and he's like, I'm going to wrestle the greatest wrestler in the WWE today. And I'm going to show who I'm going to you know, test myself. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's going to be a rematch for Sean. He goes and I'm facing Steve Austin, which right. some great shade right there in that promo. <laughs> I love. Um, so what makes this match special uh, besides um, the way I was talking about with this old school nature is how it does this great job of building up with these huge dramatic moments, taking everything back down and then bringing it back up. And they weren't afraid. Yeah. The, 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 the pacing in this match is otherworldly. And uh, the other main thing that I I love to point out about this match is there, there's, there's this great moment early on where they have a fist fight and Austin wins and you're sitting there like, well, maybe Brett doesn't fucking have it anymore, right? Right. Like, this is yeah. his turn. He has ring rust. Like, Austin's the new guy. And then later on, uh, they have another fist fight. And Brett is doing this, like, amazing I am half dead exhausted selling, which may or may not been true. But if Yeah, it it's like, true, what am I doing coming back to this? Exactly. <laughs> What did he, I get myself into? <laughs> and he wins the second fist fight, and it's just unbelievable. Um, 
there's also the great moment where Austin whips Brett into the corner, and instead of taking a face-first bump, he kind of falls because his leg was worked on, and mm-hmm. he hits rip-first into the post, which is another great spot. Um, and then they do the finish, which is the uh, the WrestleMania 8 recall, where uh, uh, Austin has the million-dollar dream, and Bret Hart kicks off the ropes and turns it over and gets the pin. Uh, a, a spot Austin loved so much he, he took for WrestleMania 17 against the Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this match is what old school wrestling was and what I kind of hoped 90s wrestling would become, but it didn't. Uh, and it, it, it's a thing of beauty. And I love this match more than anything. It's my favorite match. Um, I do not have a number one, but it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's unassailable. At this point, no matter what you think about what Brett became, what Austin became, like them meeting at this point was so much to prove they they couldn't have done it literally any better than they did. They absolutely couldn't have. So well done. Well said. All right. You're number three. You have it higher. Oh, okay. So we will get to that. So you go to your number two. Which I had, uh, you had 13th, which is Atlanta's first Milano 3, Masters match. Masters that mask. is amazing. <laughs> March, 13, uh, March 17th. That's, that is wild that you have it that high, but I also do not blame you. Like, again, that's a match that, like, like how can you how can you fault somebody for it? You just can't. It's a match that just, you. there's no match I don't think I've ever seen that fully encapsulates a style better than that match. I, I just don't. There's no other, like, if you think mask versus anybody says mask versus mask, whatever match, it's like, that's the first match I think of as much as I love MS one Chicana. Like this is the match that to me, like it got me into this whole thing and it's hard to, to let go of it, you know? Yeah. And Oh man, talk about fucking drama. Like uh, so they, they, they go for a one fall match this time. Mm hmm. Uh, and early on, uh, Milano 3 hits a tope where they hit head-to-head. And yes. Both men bleed, and they yes. almost stop the match. And, like, they're, they're talking and about I, how both are going to lose their mask. I, I figure, like, I almost think they should have, to be honest with you. Like, it was that nasty when it happened. It looked insane. And they show replays of it in, like, slow motion, and it's just like, oh, my God. And, mm. and they... Uh, eventually Atlantis gets back in the ring and they can fit, they continue. And because both men are such legends, like every fucking near fall is just unbelievable. And, uh, eventually, uh, you know, Atlantis does his torture rack submission a few times, uh, but, uh, Volano keeps countering it. Uh, and eventually Atlantis gets it on. And instead of like fucking around, he drops to his knees. So yep. there's nothing for Volano to do. And he has to submit and give up his mask. Uh, unveiling that he's just some old man uh, is a great moment too after being such a villainous heel for so long. Uh, but man, this is like a match that like is so dramatic that you like you. It's hard not to get caught up in it emotionally, even if you've seen it a bunch of times and you um, know the results. It's 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 something special. No, it 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 holds about as about, about up as well as any match I've ever seen. It's continuously just 
above and beyond what you want a match of that type to be. I think when I talked about this on the Desert Island show with Sam, I said the thing that this match had to me that was so impressive was its sense of urgency. It had from the get-go, like you said, it's a one-fall match. So there was a sense of urgency from the get-go. It's like try and do whatever they could to get the fall. They were the submissions into the roll-ups to the trades to – like they were trying everything and anything. There was an absolute sense of desperation basically from the get-go. Uh, the blood you know, only added to it. The fact that they got so bloody and had the trading of near falls they did down the stretch in the first place was just like I couldn't believe it. Um, but, yeah, just just a tremendous piece of work. Just insane. So, Man, and according to my record, so I must have fucked up again. I don't have your number one or number two. So my number two is six three ninety four. Okay, I do have that uh, later on. Okay. But you don't have my number one, I don't think. Okay, let's talk about six three ninety four. Yeah, I mean, like I wrote three thousand words on this on its twenty fifth <laughs> anniversary. Um, the my favorite moment from this match is at the thirty minute mark when Masawa has rolled to the outside. Um, and Kawada is just getting to his knee on the inside, but Masawa has stood up. He's holding the back of his neck. He takes a big breath like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired of this. And Kawada sees him as he's down on one knee and he's like now or never. And he just starts wailing away with kicks, everything he can think of. And almost like just calmly, Misawa's like, no, elbow, no, elbow, and puts him down and then goes into the finishing sequence where he then finishes him off with the Tiger Driver 91. Um, I mean, this match is is known by its date for a reason. It is um, the peak of a style that everybody has tried to copy since in the 30 years um, since it happened and not well in a lot of ways. Um and it is sad to think of how this kind of led to some of the deterioration down the line as this style became the preferred style. Uh, Kenichi Stalker, who's doing his amazing run through all the biographies of the four pillars uh, at this time, talked about how the match previous between these two in July of 93 was a turning point for the style of wrestling that the fans were used to. And then this was it being turned up to 11 with the nastiness. Um, because Kawada had no other choice was to try and match that nastiness with him. Um, but he couldn't. And it was a true virtuoso performance for a guy like Kawada who finally wins the champions carnival feels like he's on Masawa's level, gets his third shot as, as, um, Masawa's doing this reign and he still can't do it, man. Like that's as about as pro wrestling as it gets. Like, no matter what I'm doing at my best, I still can't beat the best. Um, just remarkable. Um, 35 minutes that flies by. It's it's just it's just impeccable, man. No wasted motion. No no sense of uh, trying to, to get more out of it than it is, man. No oversaturation. This is from start to finish about as beautiful pro wrestling matches as ever been. 
And here's what I'm going to do is <laughs> I'm going to mention my number one now because we both have your number one in our top three. Okay. What's your number one? Because did I not fucking mention it? You're, my number one is December 6, 1996. Ah, uh, okay. So I didn't. Wow. Okay. You did not. 25th anniversary coming up. I mean, look, I. this is the All Japan finale, right? Like, um, it, it, if you go back to the 88 Real World Tag League, this is an eight-year story culminating in um, – and Kawada pinning Misawa, but not needing to go to the lengths he needed to, uh, to win in 95. Um, Akiyama is doing everything he can here, but he's in it over his head. Tawe is as determined and as nasty as ever in this match. He is a force of nature, even more so than the 95 In the 95 match. Of course, he has a lot more, confidence because of what he did against Masawa in the in the Champions Carnival but this is like Tawe saying no like I don't need to wait for my cue there's a great moment where Kawada hits the power bomb on Masawa and that's about 27 28 minute mark and doesn't get the pinfall so he's just back towards his corner he's got this exasperated look on his face and then he just reaches up and tags in Tawe as if like Tawe is like, OK, I'll, I'll get you going here, bud. I'll finish this off for you. It's just this perfect moment. Just just a perfect moment uh, that really hasn't been duplicated in the entirety of this story. And um, and then, of course, that then leads to Tawe being able to keep Akiyama at bay. They double team him out of the match. And then Tawe's like, it's all yours, big guy. And Kawada hits the power bomb, and that's all she wrote. Um, and that's basically the end of an eight-year story with Kawada. It puts Kawada on about as level ground with Misawa as it possibly could at this point. Um, it makes Tawe a true threat. Um, you know, After his 96th run where he did beat Misawa for the belt, right? So he has that over Misawa that he can beat him. Um, it's just perfect, man. Uh, and it does suck that the, the 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 company does what it does in the months past this. But uh, man, like I like this is just incredible stuff, man. And it absolutely should be watched. So yeah, I had it high last time. It's just uh, I didn't really remember it. Um, and, no, uh, and and, and that's like that's. Yeah. So, no, it's it totally works, man. I totally get it. But it's also just like um, to me, there's no better encapsulation of a style moment, anything perhaps in the history of wrestling than that. And that's why I have it at number one. So but we have another match to talk about <laughs> because we both had it in our top three. And I am not surprised that it is your number one. So oh my God, I had it number two in 2015. Um and but you also mentioned on that show that like you wanted to put it number one. You <laughs> yeah, were like you were like what a whim you you really really wanted to put it at number one. Well, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> Six year goals accomplished. Um, yeah. So this match. Um, so first of all, before we even get to the match, this is the biggest show in the history of women's wrestling. 
it's an interpersonal show, right? And this is like the main draw where you have Hokuto, who's the badass of all Japan women, and you have Kendori, who's the badass of LLPW. Um, mm-hmm. You had uh, some moments where the LLPW people showed up at ringside and Hoka- at, at Dream Rush, actually. And Hokuto basically is like, fuck you, you loser, let's go. Um, <laughs> and then she does a promo backstage where the promo was essentially who, like, they asked her about um, Kong, uh, they asked her about the titles, and she like, who the fuck cares about the titles? This is about all Japan women, and I'm going to kill El Kantori, <laughs> which is, like, yeah. an all-time great promo. Uh, so we get to this to this match, and, you know, there, there's all this great pomps and circumstances. It's a big show. It's the main draw. And, like, pretty early on, um, we start doing call, like, we start, like, reliving Hokuto's career as Kandori just, like, breaks Hokuto's essentially. Right. And Hokuto is sent to the floor. She's in agony. Her arm is broken. And it's, like, a couple minutes into the match, and you're like, what the fuck are we going to do now, <laughs> right? Like, Kandori just killed her uh, pretty early on. Uh, and after a little bit, because Hokuto is the toughest person ever, as we mentioned earlier, uh, she gets back in there, and she fights for her fucking life um, against Kandori. We get a brawl to the floor, which has one of the most insane spots where uh, Kandori reverses a tombstone, pile drives her on a table. The table doesn't break, but it leaves a dent. And Hokuto bleeds one of the biggest blade jobs of all time. Uh, Gets cut deep. Deep. Uh, we brawl out the arena. Uh, we eventually get back to the mat. In the ring, there's so many. Like, Hokuto does some great dives. Kandori hits her big spots. Kandori's trying everything to either break Kandori's ar- or Hokuto's arm or finish her off, including hitting like one of the most brutal power bombs of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, you have the spots to the floor, which are insane. Uh, and it all goes down to these two just, um, Hokuto hits the Northern Lights bomb and can't get the win. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Kandori hits Kandori the Northern does. Lights bomb. Right in the middle of the ring, yeah. right on the sign. Yeah. Yep. And gets a two count. Uh, Hokuto gets a last minute ditch Northern Lights bomb of her own but can't get the pin. These two stand up. They have nothing left. And it's just a matter of them punching each other uh, until they both knock each other out. And Hokuto is able to crawl on top and get the pin um, through the skin of her teeth. And she is a crumpled, destroyed mess afterwards. Kandori's fucking pissed and just walks away. <laughs> Doesn't even like stop to answer questions. Well, Kendor, well, Hokuto cuts a great promo afterwards, uh, barely able to be alive. Yeah. Um, this is this is uh, my greatest match ever. This is pro wrestling. Uh, this is one of the greatest performances ever by both of them. Uh, in a in a situation as you mentioned before, these two had never faced each other. They've been they worked different promotions. They work different styles because they're mm-hmm. different promotions. There's no way they should have been able to have a match this great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. You no, I'm, I think I misspoke. I think this is the best first time ever matchup in the history of wrestling. Um, 
Um, yeah, there's just this is this is what I was alluding to earlier in the Nagayo um, and the Nagayo Masami match from '85. Is there's a very similar kind of back and forth, and that leads to the double knockout. And uh, Masami and uh, and Nagayo wrestled on this show. They wrestled yeah. before this match. Um, really good match, this, by the way. It was a very, very good match, and this was an homage to that, to that match because the show that they're on became the biggest drawing show in all Japan women's history. Just like that show in '85 had become the biggest drawing show in all Japan women's history. So, um, also the great yeah, homages I mean, to Hokuto, like legit injuring herself in matches mm-hmm. and having to continue. Yeah, no, and 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 that's I talked about where I'm not sure how much of that is planned and how much of it wasn't, but the way it was structured, it's pretty apparent now that it was planned that way. Um, but yeah, just incredible amount of thought and amount of foresight in the way that, like, you know, the idea was this match was going to be, <laughs> it was going to be kind of the big. Um, singles, the first real big singles interpromotional match, right? Because they are doing the tag there. match and all that stuff, and they have the uh, tag title match set as the main event. Um, but this so overtly <laughs> overshadowed it, um, and and good and you know will and and rightfully so too. So, um, yeah, I mean this match is incredible, and I'm not surprised you have it at one. The fact that we both have it at three makes it the easy best match between the two of us on this thing. I think it was the case last time was we had this was the highest match between the two of us on this thing too, so not surprised. Um, but yeah, man, so that's 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 our list. That's our top 100, and we didn't we did in half the time that we did our previous one, so... We're, we will not be at 10 hours like we were uh, at, at our previous one. Yeah, but we're basically at five hours, so that's... We're at five hours, so half the time. So this is about as efficient as we can get it, so... <laughs> Very impressive. Yeah. Oh, man. So, wow, what a journey. Um, man. Where do we even go from here? Is there anything... Uh, I, I I have I have nothing else, man. Like I'm, uh, you know, I I think you talked about it. I had 23 new matches that I didn't have last time, and you I had, had 49, 48. 48. <laughs> so, um, and I, th- I think you have the count of how many we both had. It was like I think 41 or something like that. Um, our joint matches are 38. 38. So, um, you know, that's about what we expected. About 50 percent overlap and. Uh, I didn't expect that many nearly new ones on your end. Um, I think I could have also had many more new ones on my end if I really wanted to. Um, but um, I'm interested to see if we decide to do this exercise again, kind of like we're doing the greatest wrestle ever again. Um, like I said, in in six months, I think this list could change for me, especially some of the newer matches that have a little bit more time to, to germinate. But, uh, man, just uh, it, it's it's incredible just in a, in a few years, how much things have changed in regards, like I said, the homogenous nature of what people consider the best matches ever that is being broken up at a rapid pace. And we're starting to see a lot of different ways that people hold wrestling near and dear to their heart and, um, and, and getting that out there, man. And so, 
Uh, and this, these are two wildly different lists between the two of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and we're, I very we're... much look forward to seeing uh, the overall voting list. Um, yeah. That is going to be because soon. I feel that we are not going to have nearly as many consensus number ones as if this took place 10 years ago, for example. I just don't. Well, I, um, from, from what I understand, I haven't, even though I set up the board, I haven't been super involved in that project. And they've been voting every year. Um, from what I understand, 6995 is won every year. Um, yeah. But it seems like the prediction is that Kandori Hokuto will win. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's a pretty easy line of sight going forward, that that is indeed going to be the case. So, you know, I'm hoping to, to see some variety in the top 10 because I think a lot of All Japan matches were normally in the top 10. I tried to do that this time around, but I still in my top 10 ended up having one two, three, four in my top 10. Whereas beforehand, I think I had five or six. So, um, but we'll see, man, I'm interested to see what, what the fallout is because I, I don't think you can have a, a project this large and, uh, and not have the diversity. And so I'll be interested to see what the results look like. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. wow. well, thank you everyone for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, Check out the descriptions for any plugs. We're not going to waste any more of your time. No. We'll be back next year with our, at some point next year, we will have our 75th Pro Wrestling Super Show. So. Thanks all. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Have a great one.